BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. My family thinks I'm crazy. A podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I give them in a shade. But every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. The hollow earth, UFOs, aliens, and painting. Fluoride in the water, this way sky's daily. When I talk about these things, they think I'm crazy. There's no escaping anymore, the evil that we're facing. Illuminati, mind control, they're sacrificing babies. The end of days, but anyways, my family thinks I'm crazy. What, they don't want to listen to you? No, they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear it. They're just like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy. You know, if I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? you just stepped into is beyond comprehension suspend all your disbeliefs and keep your intuition and critical thinking skills at hand a world where politics science philosophy culture and history intersect and the thread connecting them all is paradigm expansion our guest today is right at the nexus point of these fields utilizing many decades of study and research and with the help of brilliant guests al borealis host of Forum Borealis, has created the podcast to expand your paradigm. I'm Mystic Mark, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with Al Borealis. Truth is hard. Sometimes it means you have to, well, it always means you have to question your own pet peeves and points. And so so what I try to do with my shows is to provide data points for people to make up their own mind. You know, that's a very old school thing. It's almost unheard of in today's culture, but I insist on it. So I don't want to shovel down the throat of my listeners. In fact, even my own opinions I'm open to. I'm so libertarian on this point. Yes, I'm not not neutral. I'm objective. Let me explain the difference. And this is what media should be. Being neutral, which is what the mainstream media tries to be. They're not, well, they tried for a long time. Now, no, they're not even doing that. But being neutral is, means 
the opposite of what you, any media should be because being neutral means let's say there's a baseball battle right and so who won or the soccer match who won was it this or was it that team I don't know I'm neutral they both claim they won I don't take any sides I'm neutral that's bullshit you can't be neutral on anything so but I'm objective trying to be objective that means to describe the facts as they are so if you're an objective uh, media operator you will say well this team won over that team 3-0 that's the objective facts right that's the difference so being objective can it also entail criticizing stuff that you sympathize with or, or like you don't identify with if, if my listeners adopted all my opinions I would be very disappointed I would have raised a cult instead of racing instead of trying to contribute to racing aware citizen who, who will you know it's like Jesus said don't give people fish teach them to fish that's that's what I want to do so it sounds uh, you know I don't mean to sound arrogant here. It's not that I have all the answers, but I'm just trying to provide data points and, and info that people can. And they know, my, my listeners are used to it, so they can filter out. Not always will they enjoy my opinions, but that's okay. They can they can easily distinguish my opinions from the facts. That's also why I try to get on guests who are very good at distinguishing between when it's their personal speculation and when it's objective facts. Your podcast is extremely detailed. It's eloquent and everything is pointed out in such an intelligent way that unlike most podcast hosts, which usually serve for sort of a more difficult interview, I mean, you're really more like a, a fantastic guest yourself hosting this podcast, Forum Borealis. So I'm excited mm. to get to know okay. you. I've been listening to Forum Borealis for the past few days. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really impressive. So we have Al here, Forum Borealis. Thank you so much for being here, Al, for everyone who just caught us live on the video. We're not live, but for you, wherever you are in the now watching this, you're alive. So it's live. And Al and I are talking about, well, we're starting off by talking about how the variety of topics on Forum Borealis and... Al and I have had a couple conversations previous to this, and he made this point to me. He said, Mark, my show is not a conspiracy podcast. And I did my homework. I was listening. There's a red thread that goes through Forum Borealis, and that is paradigm expansion, right? And, you know, even the most basic education can be paradigm expanding. And that's what you do so well on your show. Like I was saying previously for the uh, bonus supporters who are listening to the whole conversation your podcast is so detailed eloquent and you make intellectual points that rival the guest at some points and that's not to take away cool. from the amazing yeah yeah not i don't mean to take away from the the variety of amazing guests you've had but you do such a great job so it's a true honor and all that aside can you please you know i'm more interested lately in the true crime the synchronicities of where spirituality and the sort of metaphysics of life sort of 
mold and blend into that true crime area. So if you would, what do you think, you know, in line with what we were just talking about, what would you suggest I go to when I search my next Forum Borealis episode and then from there maybe explain to people who have never heard of Forum Borealis before what else they can find there? Okay, I don't know if I understand you correctly. You want uh, true crime? Well, I, I you, you asked me. Yeah, you asked me. You asked me what I'm interested in, so that you could recommend some episodes. And I I noticed that there is a sort of true crime, at least from the Ole Ole Demigard episode that I listened to. Okay, okay, I get you. Good. So, but I but I will say to put it maybe more specifically. I'm kind of interested in where history, true crime, and metaphysics meet that intersection. Well, I mean, it meets only in 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 that life is life, and when we distinguish, when we make terms for aspects of life, it's just aspect of one thing, you know. So I wouldn't say that there's a direct connection other than that life is life and one layer of life would be the darkness, right? For example, corruption, criminality. I can explain the conspiracy statement you quoted to just circle back to that. There will be things that fills all lives. Like, for example, I have some, the least popular shows to my amazement, actually, about relationships and, and stuff like that. For example, I mean, it could also be like crypto and things going on, right? And then you have the metaphysical aspects of life, which is more the philosophy and the spiritual stuff. So I wouldn't say that they are necessarily directly connected, although because they are all aspects of, they are all aspects of life. There will also be instances where they are connected, but as teams, they are, they just are. And I explore them all because paradigm expansion, you know, Alex, a friend, Alex, who we should really kudos for connecting us, always says the thing about siloing, right? You, you can silo stuff. So in the same vein, there's, everything is connected every, so, so I explore, you can have a paradigm expansion on all levels, uh, not just on one thing. I mean, I know the so-called conspiracy the theme is often, uh, and you know, back in the day, spiritual stuff and, and so-called conspiracy stuff was much more disconnected. Nowadays, it seems more, now even esoterics has come in. And, and it wasn't always like that. But let me explain the conspiracy thing. Why am I always denying that term, trying to reject? I mean, it's a uphill battle. I mean, it's like trying to reclaim science from the materialist, right? It's really what was called a Sisyphus work, Sisyphus labor. But I still do it. Or it's like trying to reclaim the swastika from the Nazis, right? Or the pentagram from the Satanist, right? It's, it's good luck. <laughs> but still, I'm so principled and, and autistic that I insist. And <laughs> that's when it comes to conspiracy, it's the same thing, man. First off, you know, CIA launched it to ruin all sorts of dissidents, all sorts of system power critical stuff. So that's number one. And what a great success they got, especially in, 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 in this day and age. Now nobody dares going anywhere because they're going to be 
everything is going to be invalidated by that magical stamp, that hallmark. But let alone that, what I say is my shows are about philosophy, politics, culture, science, and history. I should probably throw in psychology too, but officially I, I, I put that in a philosophy bag. That's what my shows are about. There's, there's no such thing as a conspiracy theory as a subject. What I, I'm saying is that there may be conspiracies within those, for example, in history. Let's say, let's say the monkey business with the moon landing, moon landing per so long ago now that it's gone from science to become history, right? Well, then there's a conspiracy within history. But, but then you can say, but everything and anything has an, a level of conspiracy. Ordinary business is conspiracy. Ordinary politics is conspiracy. It, it, it's kind of a superfluous term. You can't really use it. It's not practical. It only works to crush debate and crush criticism. That's what it works for. So, because otherwise everything is conspiracy. I'm even talking mainstream shows. I mean, in, in, in our lifetime now, in our current day and age, the, the, the biggest conspiracies are launched by the mainstream. The whole uh, Ukraine thing, the whole Russiagate thing, for example. So let alone real conspiracies, not just bullshit uh, theories, like what I said, well, what about like Epstein and, and those things, right? So no, it doesn't work really. And playing into it, I, I get people want to own it. They want to take it. Like the black people has taken the N-word, right? And they kind of diffuse its power by, by using it themselves, right? In the, in the same vein, people in our line of business are taking the conspiracy word and trying to use it. But I'm not on board with that. I, I, I'm not giving up. Is there still so many muggles, normies, sleepwalkers, exoteric people? Who, who are, who, who get uh, the buttons pushed when they hear that. It's like a magic word for them. It's a word, go to sleep. Fnord, as Robert Anton Wilson would say in the great Illuminatus trilogy. So, and uh, like I said to you the other day when we talked in private, my main goal doing this is to have one foot in, in the mainstream Overton window and one foot in the rabbit hole to be a bridge. Not for all the bullshit in the rabbit hole, neither the bullshit in the mainstream, but to try to bridge the truth, the truth that has been excluded from the mainstream and the truth that are in the mainstream, and then reach more mainstreamers to wake them up, to educate them. Right. And you don't do that. You don't do that if you, if you adopt the boogeyman hypnotic triggers of the deep state, right? So I try to avoid it. And I often have, not often, I occasionally have guests who don't identify with the term conspiracy and wouldn't come on if they regarded my show as a conspiracy show. So no, I only see downsides to using it. I could go on and ramble about this, but perhaps we don't have that much time. Maybe. No, no. And I, I think it's, it's, it's well, it's well said and it's well placed on this show. You know, it's, it's titled my family thinks i'm crazy because i am you know at least when i was younger i was very adamant about 
explaining these things to people, you know, I would sort of like take the Paul Revere approach and run through the streets. You know, I think everybody, when they have their so-called red pill moment, experiences this sort of, you know, feeling like they need to tell everyone in their community the great revelation they've received. And it almost makes you wonder about, you know, history in that context. Like how many times has that happened? in the past, you know, what were the, what, what were the implications of that? But with that in mind, you know, it, it's definitely worth letting people know. And around here, you know, we're big fans of Sam Tripoli and Tinfoil Hat. And one of the things that he's always very clear about on his show is the rules of the Ronin. You know, you don't give, and, and these are his rules defined using his term Ronin. It's not like the proper Japanese Ronin rules, but his terms for the rules of the Ronin. Either know the Japanese know the uh, Tripoli oh. Well, Ronin, Ronin in Japan would be like samurai who had no clan. Oh, right. Right. So, right, right. so the, Ro the rules of the Ronin within conspiracy on the tinfoil hat. You know, one of the first rule is, you know, don't give knowledge to those who don't seek it. And I think that's exactly what exactly. you're kind of hitting exactly. on there. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people take this banner of conspiracy and they wave it and they shout in the streets. And it really does a disservice to the hardworking uh, people who are, are pushing this paradigm expansion, you know, people who are questioning the narrative, people who were considered heretics in the past under different uh, circumstances. Now they would be maybe considered scientific heretics or medical heretics based on, you know, what their line of thinking or work Everybody was. Everybody is a heretic today, right? Right. Except the henchmen of the establishment. No, that's a wise point Sam has taken because... Uh, it's such a, this is as much for the listeners out there, this is such a neophyte mistake to put on a sign saying the end is nigh and, you know, walk through the streets. I mean, yes, you do that at the beginning, you, when, you, because you yourself has gotten this, and then you think, oh my God, everything's a lie. Oh, I have to tell everyone, I have to tell. You know, that's, it's a solecism. It's a kind of a narcissism, but it's a bene be beneficial one, be benevolent one. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. You want to do something good, but it's such a neophyte mistake. You have had a awakening, right? And then you presume everybody else are like you were. I mean, if, if you passed me on the street, you would think I was one of them, right? Because I'm not wearing the sign saying the world is ending. So, no, people adapt. People try to, you know, we have a life, we have a family, we have work, all that stuff. So you can't go around spouting these, t every truths you've been realizing, pushing them on people. I'll tell you something. This is a business secret. If you really want to, if you're a good salesman, you never push something on people. What you do is you create, do you know the Groucho Marx quote saying, I don't want to join a club that wants me as a member? <laughs> heard that one before? Yeah, I have heard that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very important psychological, uh, in fact, maybe at time I can indulge in an anecdote from Gurdjieff who illustrated the same point. He was, uh, this, you can find this in Uspensky's self-biography. He was uh, weaving intricate uh, oriental carpets with his group and uh, very high quality stuff. And he was teaching them a lesson. So they set themselves up at the market and there was this upper class uh, Moscow lady who came to them and 
asked how much for this? And he gave like a insanely expensive price. She was, oh, I don't know. I have to think about this. Yeah, well, you can come back tomorrow. We're still here. Yeah, okay. And so she came back the next day. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll decide it. I'll go for it. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. And I said, well, today it's free. She was, what? what? Huh? Well, you don't have to pay anything. Today, today uh, the price is zero. And she was so stressed and, and suspicious. And they were, well, I don't know. I have to think about it. And she went home. <laughs> what did that teach you? See, when you try to, this is, this is the mistake of the Christians and the Muslims. This is, that's, this is where it's coming from. It's coming from Muslim and Christian culture. This need to missionate stuff on people. This need to tire them down and convert them. You know, psychologically, what we're speaking of is just that when these fanatics try to missionate and convert people, it's because their own inner insecurity. If I can convert one more soul for a brief moment, I can quench my own inner doubt because no fanatics, you know, all fanatics has this uh, cognitive dissonance. They, they know deep inside that they are, uh, they're not in line with truth. So it's just to, it's just to quench my own doubting voice, voice for a minute. I convert you and oh. I get the confirmation that I'm on the right track, but then the nagging, pressing feeling will return again. Oh, what if this is, I'm on the wrong path. This is, you know, I'm delusion. I'm deluded. Oh, I have to, I've convert another soul. That's kind of what's going on. So you should never do that. Look at the Masons. They pretend they don't want members. Oh, we're secret. This is bullshit. They're not a real secret group. If they were, you won't, you would have heard about them. I know real secret groups. But they have this image that they're exclusive and it's hard to join and you need two sponsors and recommend. Mark, you can become a Mason tomorrow if you want, okay? No problem. But that's what, that works. People want to go there because that's something. Oh, they, oh, they must have something because they don't really want, they're not seeking me out. Oh, that's an exclusive kind of item that's being sold there. It's limited supply, limited supply. Why the fuck do you think they say that, right? And, and uh, even if it is, whether it is limited or not, it doesn't matter. It's the print psychological principle of it. So, I mean, we could be talking marketing all day, but no, you don't reach people by it. And I see people in my own network privately that you have, uh, for example, you know, the Trump, Trump derangement syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, people think that just applies to one of the wings. I'll tell you, it applies to both. Trump arrangement syndrome is mu just as much about those who think he's the second coming of Christ, right? Those who think he can do no wrong. That's a Trump arrangement syndrome. And it's also a Trump arrangement syndrome. Those who think he's the second coming of Hitler, okay? And I've seen that even here in Norway, spread here. And both, I can s understand both perspectives of those people. And the irony is that they have the same values. They have the exact same values and ideals, but they are so lost in the political intricacy, narrative, uh, bullshit kind of bubble uh, or willing thing that they think they are each other's enemies. If you want to find your real enemy, you have to examine people's values, not their opinions or political opinions, because that's limited to your experience your knowledge, 
your, you know, different kinds of references that you got intellectually. What really denotes where you're at is your valid. I'll, I'll give you an example of what I mean. Look, if you are a slaughter and you marry someone who is a member of PETA, you have a real value crash, okay? You have a real value crash. Both of those could be voting for Trump or both of those could be voting against Trump. Okay? So, so they're not really allies, but they think they're allies because they're hypnotized into this bullshit political sphere. What really tells you who's your allies is your ideals and your, and your values. So I'm trying to tell these people that I'm talking about that I know that are on each side. I'm saying, you're on the same goddamn side but you're being manipulated and distracted and propagandized and you, you're buying into that. It, and, and this, I'm soon ending my rant, and this goes to the same place where when we talk about the wings, left wing, right wing, it's bullshit. Today it's all about top bottom. That's all it is. And uh, we can get back to the wings thing when we have our life back, when we have our freedoms back, when we have our democracy back. Then we can go discuss, should we have a socialist solution for healthcare? Should we have a capitalist solution? Today, we're all trapped in modern fascism, AKA corporatism. So the people behave as if this is 20 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever, on all levels. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's very stark, you know, the differences between people's values and i think that's something that is well said and again well placed here on the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast but al i have you know to why i love you know why i love the title tell me because it's a very funny way to say you never become a prophet in your own country you... and, and that's what i've been talking about right now right so that you cannot go to your family with all this stuff because they don't have your experience they don't have your track record First of all, most people don't have time and energy to understand anything, okay? They need to trust. They're invested in the status quo. They're trapped. They're rats in their maze. If the status quo crumbles, if, every, if everything is as corrupt as you say, it's gone. It's a personal threat to them. So they don't have the time, the energy, the interest. They need to trust that the wheels are... In their own field, yes, there they're very aware. Whatever their field is, whatever, wherever they're operating, there they will take the battle because that's what they have the time and energy there. That's what they understand. That's what they invested in. But all the other stuff, it doesn't matter to them. And so when you come and try to, it's much easier to think you're the crazy one. What, the whole world is crazy? Because they think it's you as one individual and then it's the entire world. Because they don't know that what's really going on in the world. Right. They think the mainstream media is the world. The only thing that can, and I don't care what scandals are coming out, being revealed. Like Epstein thing, yes, it awoke more people. Assange thing, yes, it awoke more people. Many things have happened the last 20, 30 years that will wake people up, more people up, but not sufficiently, not sufficiently to get a real system change. The only thing that has happened recently that I think can tilt the balance dramatically is the vaccines. And I'm not going to say anything that we get this to 
taken over YouTube because I'm not criticizing vaccines. I'm just saying when people's own health, when the health of themselves and um, their loved ones is at stake, then, then you can get them to, because then it's life and death for them. So it is life and death, I mean. So war too, of course, but all sorts of things like the pandemic. The pandemic worked first in the favor of the elites because people were scared out of the wits. It's this, especially Americans. Americans have never, you know, you like to think you're the tough guys in the world. You know, your culture shows it all the time, Hollywood, but everyone in the world knows. I think even the Canadians who's, who's sucking your dick on a daily basis, I think even they know that you're the biggest sissies in the world. But everyone else knows that. So when you're terrified after 9-11, I mean, we had, uh, we had uh, terrorism going on here daily through all, all through the 70s. Mostly it was deep state uh, manufactured, of course, blamed on different wings, but especially the left wing, but an anarchist. But and no matter when uh, that happened and pandemic happened, it was a, and the pandemic, everybody almost behaved like America did. But that has turned around and now it's a backlash, a blowback, as you say, because now, because in the beginning, oh, my health, oh, you're breathing on me and I can die. Oh, stay away. Oh, fascism, please, fascism, fascism to save me from my dangerous neighbor. But now people are worn down and that kind of thing. Most, there are so, still some that got the brain broken who are still in that, especially shit lips are still in that sphere, that paradigm where they th zero COVID paradigm and all that. But most people now realize what's what about COVID and the pandemic. And now they're starting to see, first off, they're angry because they know that COVID was manufactured in a lab. So and more and more people are starting to getting their rationality back because the rational stuff, should, and I have to brag now, let me toot my own horn here. It broke in the West, January 19, I think. And March 19, I said it was a lab leak. While people were still discussing if it was a hoax. <laughs> you had to know the COVID deniers and the natural origin thing, right? And in the middle, you have the truth as a new shell being buried. So that many people are now hmm, so if it's manufactured in a lab, shouldn't we? Should we support an investigation? Even mainstreamers are starting to talk about that now. And that's, this is why we need mainstreamers on board, because when mainstream authorities, whether it's in science or in journalism, et cetera, starting because it's too close to home, you know, they can manufacture consent about all sorts of bullshit on behalf of the establishment. But when it's, when they themselves go down, that's when they're putting the foot down. So now many of them are starting to, so now people are starting, hmm, should we, should we really find out who's culpable here? Should we really go after someone here? Well, three years in, and they're starting to realize that great. And the vaccine is the same. Oh my God, they're underreporting the so-called side effects. Other word for side effects is damages. They're underreporting that shit. Oh my God, should we, should we hold? Hold someone accountable for this? People are dying from this. So, so this can change in our favor. Our, I'm saying our, as in everyone who is against the corrupted elites running this charade of a world society. 
You catch my drift? I'm catching it. And I'm liking how you're putting it out there. I'm just, I want to, in the interest of, of filling in new listeners who may not have a, you know, background in understanding, I don't know, many different languages. Tell us about, you've made many references to where you are at, but you haven't told us. I know you're in Scandinavia. I'm pretty sure you're in Norway, but you know, I, I want to know, I want to, I want to learn more about what's going on over there. Not so much about the COVID stuff. We've talked about that and you made a really great point there, but if we could leave that there and maybe go into some more interesting aspects of Norse culture, I think that sure. would be, that would be cool. But before we get that far ahead, tell us about when this first maybe paradigm expansion happened for you. What, what really kicked you onto this journey that has culminated into your podcast and all the amazing things you've done? Okay. So before, even before that, I want to explain something to your subscribers who can see us. The reason I'm really looking up in the right corner is because I'm sitting, not standing. <laughs> oh, they're very forgiving. They're not going to lie. There. My screen is up there. <laughs> so now I'm looking into the camera, right? But uh, I have to look at you when we talk, right? Which is why I'm, 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 I'm in a, this weird position. So yeah, no, unlike Alex, for example, who started out inquiring sincerely, I mean, he, he noticed the cracks in the bubble in the illusion, right? And he, uh, seized that, pursued that and tracked it down. And he just woke up in the rabbit hole, realizing that's where all the crumbs are ending, right? Now, well, then it wasn't my approach. I was born from the left field. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get closer to the mainstream. So I, I've never been a mainstreamer. Never. Well, I guess, no, you're not even as a child. You know Gordon White of Arunsu? Oh yeah, he's been on the show before. Great. He uh, always asks people, where you were weird, weird as a child, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so actually my answer to that wasn't yes, but, but I suppose it could have been yes. My answer was, well, that's, that's not for me to decide that. The, 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 you know, that's a definition thing, a perception thing, right? So that depends on who's, I mean, I didn't feel weird, right? Right. So I, but, um, probably was, but certainly from when I was a teenager, certainly. By the way, okay. I started in May 15, but I really, I could have started at least three years before. And I so regret I didn't because I, I would have, you know, as I said the other day, YouTube was a meritocracy until 2016. Right, right, right. Right. So if I have started three years ago, I would be at the level of, I don't know how many Sam Tripoli has and uh, highest I chat, but I would be way up there. Cause when I started, like I said, I often say this, I, I was lucky. It was just before they shut the door, it was shut straight behind me. And so for that one year, I could operate freely. I got 30,000 subscribers and then I was stifled and quenched at about 33, 35. And it took until this year to reach 40,000. Right. That's how bad. So I like, sp I spent 15 now, 22 now, 15 back to fit 15. That's uh, seven years. Right. So it took me one year to get 30,000. And were you, were, were you more? Six years to get 
they lost 10,000. Yeah. Now, were you, were you always sort of set out on this kind of diverse approach or were you more maybe like gung ho or motivated? Cause you talked about having, you know, 20 years experience diving into these esoteric subjects. I, I didn't quite ask you, you know, your, your, maybe your, your resume, but if you could maybe Tell us a little bit about like where that inspiration. Much more than twenty, much more than twenty years. You yeah. Know what no, you said 10. twenty years to become a master, but you did say much yeah. longer than that. It takes, it takes ten <laughs> years. It take, takes ten years to to how did I put it? Expert to master. Ten years to expert. Twenty years to master is what you said. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. So I, I began, I guess, really seriously studying esoteric when I was around fifteen, sixteen. So. I've been studying it my whole life, basically, and uh, I, I don't know what talking about that. The proof is in the pudding. Listen to some of my esoteric shows. Right. Uh, like, well, no, and I, I, I don't. What I told you to listen to isn't out yet, but, but it's called The Secret of Secrets, and I can tip off your audience too. Yeah, you did. It's re yeah, it really is The Secret of Secrets. I think you were telling me a little bit about this yesterday or the day before, but yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't mean to ask you to like, you know, prove yourself or anything, but for the interest of, you know, relating to the audience and how we've kind of talked about some of the, you know, the, what my life has been like, I'm wondering what were some of the inspirations to, you know, that drew you to those subjects and like, what did you, know, you do? Get that is is fair questions. It's just that I'm super bored talking about me and my life. <laughs> I hear I that. It. So, so, so you have to drag that info out of me. And it's possible. But so when I said that, uh, listen to the shows, then because uh, my knowledge seeps out through the shows, obviously, right? So right. Uh, like you remarked yourself. So unless you want to actually discuss something esoteric now, but well, you did want me to talk about Norway, I could do that. Right? Yeah. And, that's, and that's kind that's of personal. Yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to go with it because I'm wondering, you know, I I listened to your conversation with Thor Eptirdal. Yeah, right? I was thinking about saying to you that if you really want to cover, you should get him on. He's a wrestler too, okay. by the way. Wow. You could bond on that. But he's um, he's got very good info. You well, can't go wrong with him. And you should have him on your show. But one thing that you, you said during that conversation that kind of struck me, and I'm curious about, you know, your specific area where you grew up because of this, because you said that the Norse, like the Viking, real Viking traditions were more alive in Iceland than they were in, where you're, where you're living. And I'm wondering, you know, is that also At all over Scandinavia? I know Americans have a romantic note. I can go to Norway, some remote mountain in the forest. I'll find some rare tradition. I'll be initiated into it. You'll get hit on the head with a, with a Puritan cross. That's what's going on. No, you have to go to Iceland if you want to find survivals. I'm not saying it's completely dead in Norway, but. But it's more or less managed to survive in some ways in Iceland. They're cloaked also there, especially through, well, folk traditions and Christianity, but their Christianity was always tongue in cheek, you know, mm -hmm. they saw what happened in Norway and they said, shit, let's just, let's just, we have a gun to our head. Are we going to go down with the ship or are we going to adapt? Right. Let's vote to adapt right. and let's really not adapt <laughs> <laughs> very similar to what happened in the caribbean where you have like the saints 
next to like the the actual pagan you know gods that they believed yeah, you know secretism yeah it's right. africa too i mean many places yes right. it's the way of the world right because right. they're being converted. They're not being really convinced. They're being converted. And you also see these esoteric societies sort of, you know, at least, I don't, want, I don't want to use the term flourish, but they sort of burgeon in these atmospheres. And I'm wondering maybe if that's what connected you to this interest. Is there any remnants of this esoteric culture in Scandinavia still? Obviously, you know, we have like the things that can't be taken away, like the megaliths, which are sort of, I don't know, more common than you, you might suspect. I have heard from recent guests, but, you know, outside of these big megalithic structures that sometimes can go unnoticed, are there any, you know, Norse esoteric, you know, things that stand out? There is a remnants of, because Scandinavia, under the Nordic countries, were the last to be Christian. So yes, there will be remnants of it in terms of, maybe you'll find scriptures, maybe you'll find, um, what you say, sacred sites of stone, petroglyphs and stuff like that. That, but not a living tradition. What's, there's a lot of esotericism in Scandinavia, but that's all imported. That's all imported in, in more or less modern times, or, or you could say, Renaissance and up to now, maybe, but, um, well, not so much Renaissance, a little in Sweden, but really the 1800s is when stuff returned here. So there's not a living chain like that in, there is in Iceland, not so much in Norway, no. Right. Even less in Sweden and Denmark. Right. Oh. I don't know the Faroe Islands, but they are so small. Shetland and Orkney, they go, they're small and they got anglified. Finns, they got their own thing going. And now in the 1800s, would that be where this Freemasonic connection comes in? Because I know with another guest, you had a conversation about the Norse roots of Freemasonry. Is that something? Yeah, that's... but that, no, that's far. That's that, that's a root. So that's right. back to the Norse. That's back to the, even before the Middle Ages. So it sort of was started there, left, and then maybe returned in more modern times. Yeah, well, it never started in Norway. It was Norse people, basically Danes and Norwegians in the British Isles who started masonry there. It was in the meet, you should listen to the show. It was in the meeting place between, well, basically three things. There was first the Norse things that Vikings brought and they're trying to maintain their own traditions. Then there was the present Anglo stuff, Christian, that be, and, and the Normanners came to and, and, and eradicated a lot of stuff and brought new stuff. So, and the Normanners ironically were the children of the Vikings. Uh, they created a monster. Oh my God, I created a monster, right? That was happened when the Vikings went to France and Rollo, as he's called in, in um, Gangerolf is what we call him. But in the series, Vikings stay behind and they, the French realized, Jesus Christ, we need to do something. We're being run over by, by these people. So they created a, a new warrior culture that was insane and flooded over the British Isles and uh, it was a horrible thing. And uh, that eradicated a lot of the Norse traditions in the British Isles. The, the, the Scott, Scotland is uh, many fled there so that's why you today have more 
Norse heritage in Scotland and the north mm-hmm. than you do in the south of England. Because originally we had the south too, like the Danes especially were in the south. They had uh, the Dane law, as it was called. So yeah, it's a complicated thing. But to the other thing you said, in the 1800s, the big three trends of, of spiritual currents were basically spiritualism, mediumism, spiritism, stuff like that. There was masonry, like you pointed out, and the third was theosophy. That was the three big things in the 1800s. There were other stuff too, but I'm talking about the big trends. So yeah, even those reached back to Puritan Scandinavia. Remember, we were under the Puritan, Pietistic, Protestant, Lutheran Christianity for hundreds of years. So an interesting thing, I'm going to have a show about this. Norway or Scandinavia was actually Christian by, not by the Catholics, as many people think, we were Christian by the Celtic church. Now the Celtic church is super interesting. I mentioned that in both my show with Thor, that show is called What You Should Know About Vikings. And also in the show called Norse Roots of um, Freemasonry. I mentioned there in both those shows that the, I think the reason they managed to Christian us is that the Celtic church were already so close to paganism. It, it's completely left field, nothing to do with the mainstream church. But the Celtic church was hunted down and crushed by the Catholics. And ironically, the last bastion of the Celtic church was Norway. So, so we became Celtic Christians, and I can go more into details about that, what that entails, but it has its roots. First of all, they say themselves that Jesus came with, with Joseph of Arimitrea and founded it. You know, during Jesus's Joshua, Joheshua Bar Mariam, which was his real name. And um, also they have uh, uh, things back to, uh, to, to Egyptian stuff, to, to hermetic stuff and sacred geometry and lots of stuff. But anyway, that's, that's another debate. So I was saying it came to Norway and uh, so they crushed it, the Harry, because the Catholics had this campaign for millennia, you know, to crush everything, right? Ten- Templars, Cathars witches, whatever. So yeah, the, also the Celtic church bring everything into the fold so that the Pope, Pope could be a complete tyrant, you know, a full dictature. And so there were, do you say that in English, ban bulls? Does that make sense? Oh, I'm, I'm directly, ban bulla, we say in Norwegian, it was these bulls. These, these papal decrees. Oh, okay. Yeah. Papal that, bull would be maybe more familiar to. That, yeah, that they were, they were banning, that they were ban- uh, uh, condemning. Right. So, so they were threatening to invade or to crush Norway. And so eventually we yielded and we became Catholic, but <laughs> that's karma. The Catholics didn't manage to hold the grip for more than maximum a hundred years. Then reformation came and <laughs> threw them out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we very fervently threw ourselves on the uh, reformation. And so, and after that, it's been like Puritan, Pietistic, maybe it would be better if we had kept the Catholicism. I'm not sure. But the interesting stuff is that the early Christians in Norway, they did incredibly interesting projects in terms of sacred geometry and 
like Oak Island stuff. When you talked about me having in my shows an arc, you know, seasons and chronology, it, it's, it's, it's true for some series. It's not that I'm not calling my seasons in, in, in terms of this year is season this and next year is season that. That's not how it works at the forum. We have like series, different series. We have a series that will interest you that we call, we call it, what on earth are we calling it? Uh, <laughs> something about the break of a civilization. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I have that in my notes. I wanted to ask you about that because you sort of rung that bell when you talked about the theosophists because uh, Walter Bosley, you might be familiar with Walter Bosley. He's dealt with uh, Breakaway. I've had two shows with him. Yeah, yeah. So I ought to listen to those. But he talks a lot about Breakaway Civilizations. I'm sure he's been on for that series, right? Yeah. I mean, that fits. And Richard Dolan coined the term he's been on for that. Oh, but wow. The thing is, we have that series. That's the main, the first series is your big one. That should be listened to chronologically. It's not recorded chronologically. So when I have someone on, I put it in the timeline where it belongs so that when you listen to that series, it's really going to be clear for you. Like, like I could say it like this, that the dots, the, the disparate dots by themselves means nothing or are peculiarities, right? But when you put them together, it paints a picture. You almost don't have to do any explanation. You just have to put them together and it becomes crystal clear to you. It's like uh, these old, remember these, you take a pan and you, the children do, uh, it's a, take a pan and from the, uh, this number to that number and the, that number, and eventually you've been drawing a picture, right? And you can see what that picture is until you follow all those dots in the paper that you connect. Maybe you're too young to remember that stuff. It's no, I remember. Digitally. Yeah, okay. So that's how it works. So when you have uh, all these shows in, in the right uh, sequence, it's an extra layer of revelation going on. So that series should be listened to. And then we have from Solomon's Temple to Arcadia. That's another series that should be listened to chronologically. So basically those two are especially chronologically. I've been trying to do the same with the antediluvian stuff, but I haven't done that enough antediluvian stuff yet so that it makes sense. Mm. The other series can be listened to here and there. Now I have like, I have like, well, I intend to have like 15, I think. I don't remember the number, but let's say 15 different series. And you did mention, you mentioned from Solomon's temple to Arcadia. Now, is that dealing with, you know, like these megalithic sites or mysterious ancient no. sites? No, that would be the ancient series. Okay. Uh, the ancient series, we call that um, evidence for antediluvian civilizations. Okay. Now that series from Solomon's temple, it starts with Solomon's temple. And it ends up with Arcadia, a.k.a. Nova Scotia, a.k.a. Uh, okay. Right? Right. So that series is where you find much of the Viking stuff, actually. Well, and, and when you talk to Thor, I, I can't not mention this. You mentioned how the Vikings were, you, you actually posited this theory that and maybe you heard this somewhere else, that the, the Vikings were getting cannabis from the Native Americans. And we had uh, Howdy Mikowski on the show talking about how 
the Micmac who live in that area, Newfoundland and Nova Scotia and north of Maine there, they have one of the only flags in all of the, out of yeah. all of the tribes in, in North America, none of them really have anything and like flags. Flag. And it's, and yeah, and it has exactly, you know, the same design as the Templars, just backwards. It's, it's, and some no, people I, I, even I talk about that. I would want, probably want him on. Yeah. Uh, no, I just connected the dots because... Uh, well, you know, even hockey is connected too. He he talks about how the Vikings and the Micmac possibly like were do it, oh created hockey yeah. together. You, you should listen to my interview with Scott Walter. He's a three-quarter. Ah, okay. It's called, it's called Templars are in America. Now, in the end of that show, in uh, at the end of part three, I do a super long rant. I do that sometimes in my shows. In fact, I even rant with my guests. But uh, I always have like a post-commentary. As always, do we. Yeah. Not always is as a long rant. But there I give evidence for all the Viking stuff in America that is beyond speculation, beyond doubt, beyond criticism. There's no hiding. Okay. You can't avoid these facts. Now you can discuss some details concerning the Templars, etc. You will understand when you hear that show. So it's called Templars in America. Part one is called Enter the Vikings. Part two is called um, something else. And part three is called uh, uh, Damn. I'm getting demented. I think I could pull it up. It might be Unless it's unreleased. No, no, all this is old stuff. Yeah, this is... So uh, all that stuff is a part of the, from uh, Solomon's temple to Arcadia. So okay. Right. Yeah, the, I think so. So, so it's, but it's not explicitly about Vikings or Norse, but it starts in that area. So you have to, you can't bypass it. You see what I mean? Right. So it starts basically in the seven, eight hundred. Well, so it's not antediluvian, it's not... Well, and, and that's exactly where I wanted to go next. I know we don't have much time um, left, but Hyperborea, you know, we've had some guests on the podcast who talk about the Bach saga, Eeyore Bach out of Finland. And, you know, we've talked about all sorts of different theories about Atlantis on the show. But Hyperborea is one of these ancient legends or ancient places that really kind of strikes a chord with me because in this strange book I found called the called the Vinland and Tartar Relation. It's a book published by Yale University and it's discussing the veracity of certain maps that were possibly created by Vikings or with the help of Vikings with their knowledge of Newfoundland and Canada before, you know, Columbus's voyage. Yeah. But the, the ev there's evidence of Vikings in America in USA too. It's not just Canada. Well, yeah, and and I know that this book is outdated. I think they, you know, they've already concluded a lot of these things that are being argued in the book. But what's so interesting about the book is as they're making this argument, they're pointing out some really ancient maps of Hyperborea and how it looked like it was centered in the North Pole, or at least what we would consider like maybe north of Scandinavia, maybe not quite uh, geometrically North Pole, but it's it's a very curious alignment, you know, and it looks like it's like a sort of island paradise surrounded by ice. And that always stood out to me. And I'm wondering if that corroborates with what you know about Hyperborea, which I'm sure 
very vastly outweighs what I know. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the the format to go into details, but um, <laughs> no, but but there, you know, I don't conflate it with Atlantis. I think that's different mm. things. You you could maybe connect it by saying that Atlantis more than a place; it was a civilization, right? In, in that meaning, it could be connected. But uh, really, if mankind, you know, Cremo, Michael Cremo, yes. I've had him on my show twice and, you know, mankind is old, old. We're not new kids on the block at all. But like I often say, if you really want to control someone, what is better? What is more ef efficient than force, uh, missionary or persuasion or buying them, you know, corruption or, or seducing them or begging them or extorting them or, or, or tricking them or whatever. There, there's so many ways you can try to manipulate and control people, right? E either an individual or a group, a collective. Well, the most efficient, the really most efficient, and which has been done to us time and time again, it's been done to us. The Catholics attempted it, the Nazis attempted it, the Soviets attempted it, they're attempting it now. The most efficient is to remove someone's memory. If I, Mark, remove your memory, I can make you do anything. I can convince you of anything. I don't have to. And it's going to be much more thorough than all the other means that I listed. They have their weaknesses. This is the way I'm going to dominate my will upon you. And that's true individually and it's true collectively. Now, so if we acknowledge that we are children in culture, but not in uh, race, then, well, the lore says anyway that there has been different ancient civilizations. So you have uh, based in the Pacific was Mu or Lemuria, based in the Atlantic was, was Atlantis, and then you have the polar mystery, which is the Hyperborea thing. Now, I uh, also call Tula. I recommend a book, you know, there's so many polluted books about that because they have a political agenda, because it's been hijacked by Nazis, etc. So there will be some older things that are fishy because you can trust people with agenda. If they have agenda, they're always going to, truth somehow is going to suffer, even if it's half truths or some truths. But a very good book is Dr. Jocelyn Goodwin. His book is called Arctos, The Polar Myth in Arctos, the polar myth in science, mythology, and Nazi survival, or something like that. But that book is, is kind of similar to the one I had a show about Hyperborea. I interviewed another scholar called, I, I've tried several times to get Dr. Goodwin on. He's quite cordial, but he al always gives me the same excuse and explanation, and I have to respect that. But uh, I got his friend and colleague on, Dr. Um, Oh, he has to forgive me. My dementia is kicking in again. Good time. I'm looking up the book. How do we spell Arctos? Maybe that'll jog your memory. Thinking about... oh, that's, uh, I remembered him, that Dr. Jocelyn Goodwin. That's the guy I couldn't get. No, I know. I but recommend it... that book. <laughs> so Jocelyn Goodwin, Arctos is spelled A-R-K-T-O-S. Okay. Yeah. okay. Now, I had a show about uh, Chris, with Chris, Dr. Christopher McIntosh, of course. See, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So, oh, that was your exercise. I see. Excellent. Thank you. 
So that show, I think I just called, did I call it Hyperborea? I forgot what I called it. I think I called it Hyperborea. But his book, which is new, is called uh, Northwind something, I forgot. And it's pretty similar to, to, to Goodwin's. So anyone who enjoyed Macintosh's book will certainly love Goodwin's book. Excellent. Yeah, I'm adding them to the list. Thank you. Yeah, this is... You're never going to get to Goodwin on. <laughs> no, I mean adding them get, to the book list. It, <laughs> if you got them on, I'm, I'm going to go down. I'm going to devote one year of income to your show. <laughs> it's not going to happen, man. Well, I will do my best. But yeah, no, I did not mean adding him to that list. I'm adding him to my shopping cart list. But yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> but, uh, but Christopher McIntosh as well. I've seen him on uh, on a couple podcasts, interesting interviews. I'd love to get him on this show. But before we completely wrap up, there was something that we talked about in this sort of realm, and maybe it's making its way uncomfortably into this same sort of conversation about, you know, ancient cultures, ancient civilizations, even antediluvian civilizations, even though they usually don't trace it that far back. Tartaria, you know, as recently as the 1800s, people are claiming that these big disasters happened and all of these buildings were submerged in the mud and, or maybe it happened another time and they're, they're playing around with the timeline. I mean, you even hear things like uh, mountains are melted buildings. It's, it's really, it gets to a, a maddening degree of, of detail that it almost makes you feel like uh, <laughs> it's just straight up propaganda. And I say that very carefully because I do like talking about Tartaria. I've had many conversations with different guests about Tartaria, but I, I think, you know, you have a very different angle on it and we cannot be in, a, in an echo chamber. You know, we can't, this show especially, I never want to have like, oh, well, we're for Tartaria on this, on this podcast and anybody who naysays Tartaria. And I'm not saying, Al, that you're going to naysay Tartaria, but I do, you know, know from our prior conversation that you, you have a, a different perspective than most of the people that I've talk to about this and I'd love to I'd love to hear it because I'm not in the position of being for or against it I just find it fascinating what people are saying and I, I don't know if if it really matters that you can prove that this place was on a map okay I get that it was there maybe they changed the name to go and say because that's no longer on maps that also justifies all this other stuff that's being concealed seems like it's a step too far and i think you kind of agree that a lot of the tartarian speculation is kind of extreme I mean, am i saying too much for you al would you like to speak for yourself yes i would <laughs> first off i would uh, like to exploit the opportunity to point out an important point about my shows i'm not trying to manufacture a tribe mm. You have to be for or against anything. In fact, right. I detest, it's so American, but I can't really blame Americans because you didn't invent that. But that tribal bullshit of being in, on a team and fighting the other team, that's not the business I'm in. Right. I'm in the business of truth. Okay. Agreed. And hard truths, truth is hard. Sometimes it means you have to, well, it always means you have to question your own pet peeves and points. And so, so what I try to do with my shows is to provide data points for people to make up their own mind. You know, that's an, 
very old school thing. It's almost unheard of in today's culture, but I insist on it. So I don't want to shovel down the throat of my listeners. In fact, even my own opinions I'm open to. I'm so libertarian on this point. Yes, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not neutral. I'm objective. Let me explain the difference. And this is what media should be. Being neutral, which is what the mainstream media tries to be. They're not, well, they tried for a long time. Now, no, they're not even doing that. But being neutral is, means the opposite of what you, any media should be. Because being neutral means, let's say there's a baseball battle. Right. And so who won or the soccer match? Who won? Was it this or was it that team? I don't know. I'm neutral. They both claim they won. I don't take any sides. I'm neutral. That's bullshit. You can't be neutral on anything. So, but I'm objective, trying to be objective. That means to describe the facts as they are. So if you're an objective uh, media operator, you will say, well, this team won over that team, 3-0. That's objective facts, right? That's the difference. So being objective can also entail criticizing stuff that you sympathize with or, or like identify with. So, so that's a very important. And my own opinions, although I do spew them, I don't hide them because I'm not neutral, but they are not what I expect. If, if my listeners adopted all my opinions, I would be very disappointed. I would have raised a cult instead of racing, instead of trying to contribute to raising aware citizen who, who will, you know, it's like Jesus said, don't give people fish, teach them to fish. That's, that's what I want to do. So it sounds, uh, you know, uh, I don't mean to sound arrogant here. It's not that I have all the answers, but I'm just trying to provide data points and, and info that people can, and they know my, my listeners are used to it. So they can filter out, not always will they enjoy my opinions, but that's okay. They can, they can easily distinguish my opinions from the facts. And that's why I also try to get on guests who are, oh, wonderful caller on your end. That's also why I try to get on guests who are very good at distinguishing between when it's their personal speculation and when it's objective facts. What do you think about Tartari? Is that, is that a interest of yours? Is that, cause I sort of, as somebody who's been researching conspiracies at least a decade now, it's like this out of left field, totally new theory that I've, I really only started yeah. hearing about after I started the podcast, which when I started the podcast, I was like, oh, I know it all. I've heard it all. Let's get into this. And pretty quickly, I realized that was not the case. <laughs> no, uh, buddy, the more we know, do you know, the, do you know the rest of the sentence? The more we know? The more we realize we don't know or something to that effect? Yeah, so the less we know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Only the fool thinks they know it all. And, and are in for a bad, uh, rude awakening. You no, know, the more we know, the more we, we map our own ignorance, right? And it's very exciting because the more we know, the more we <laughs> know where to look for, to, to know more, if you see what I mean. Mm. That's a distinction. Before we started now, I'll answer the, the thing about Tataria, but I, I had a thing to talk with you about, which is connected to the stuff we just talked about, rumble and all that. Okay. Yeah. But let me just f answer your 
tutorial question first. A show with Dr. Christopher McIntosh. It's called Hyperborea. He talked about how in Russia there's a renaissance these days. Mm. About the, the Alexander Dugan fellow who's very close to Putin, right? Yeah, but he's not the only one. I, 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 he's more political and ideological. I'm talking more about like the 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 northern myth mm. mythos is in vogue in Russia. There's a lot of excavations. They found weird stuff. People, of course, it's not reported in mainstream media. And there's a lot of people like you know Atlantis. It's like that only for the north. It's a hyperborea thing, right? And that dovetails, I guess, a little with Tataria. But I'm going to read something to you here that I wrote. I mean, it's really super skeptical too, because it's amazing how some of, I'm talking about Tataria now, how some of the most paradigm challenging theories always seem to have a field day in their spread, whereas we're still sacrificing blood, sweat and tears just to get through simple, sober facts that are so real that they become evident truisms. Eventually, if they're not censored, of course. Isn't it interesting that Tartaria, just like Flat Earth or the Lizard people, shares the requisite that you have to throw everything out of the window? Not just readjust your paradigm, but throw it out the window. What does that lead to? About 10% taking it seriously and everyone else shutting down and ridiculing and hating. Not just those who believe it, but anything challenging the mainstream. In other words, anyone who wants to fight the obvious lies gets smeared in the same cuckoo bag as conspiracy theorists, flat earthers, all that stuff. No matter if it's just sober power criticism or factual medical info or what have you. And this is due to the psychology very well known by the powers that be. Most people are bogged down and distracted and don't have the luxury of educating themselves for hours. At the same time, they are so invested into the status quo that they have, that they have become hostages, terrified of losing whatever they have got going. That any threat to the status quo means a threat to them personally. So every time they face outrageous stuff like this, the cognitive dissonance kicks in and they look at it as confirmation that they, everyone challenging the status quo, are crazies and we, the normies, the muggles, are the sensible ones. It makes them more entrenched into the status quo illusions. So they want to think this. They need to believe this. On the other hand, you have real subversive stuff like the lab leak case, the Epstein case, the Assange case, the JFK case, etc. 9-11. These affairs are not too paradigm challenging for most. And so even if they dismiss it initially, it becomes eventually very bothersome and eroding of their trust in the public cult. And sooner or later, it makes a dent to their religious trust in authorities. Things like these subjects are actually doing tons more for truth than Tartaria is, even if Tartaria is true. Also, Tartaria seems like a creationist version of Atlantis and will provide great distraction from classical concepts that finally seems to get the time of the day. Maybe that's precisely why such new theories comes to the scene, to topple the actual facts that finally are reaching a critical mass and seems to get little resistance compared to stuff we usually deal with. It's almost as if the powers that be are blessing it. Not necessarily saying CIA made it up, but it could be a case of let it happen rather than make it happen. That said, we're obliged to explore anything, 
with a claim to have a good case, which claims to have a good case with an open mind. So, and I will do that also for, for the Tataria. So that's basically my, my original take on, on Tataria. Well, and now I'm, I have to, but did you understand my point? I, yes. And it's an absolute privilege to have you here to say that so eloquently, because I just deep in my guts, you know, as much as I love walking through the streets of Tartari and looking at the buildings and saying, oh, that's a melted building. And that's a, that's a mud flooded building as, as exciting as that is deep in my guts. I had this feeling like, am I being set up? This is all too easy. Why is this so convenient? Why are there so many people interested in this? And I've had people reach out to me with the same fervor that I expect from flat earthers. You know, for a time I had a, a globe over my shoulder in the background, just as a goof, just to <laughs> upset people. And it, it, it worked, it upset people. And, and it's fine. Cause I don't like to take sides. I'm very happy being agnostic about something that I need to get in an airplane or, or get in a rocket to see for myself. Uh, I'm perfectly comfortable being here on the ground, two feet planted for now. But when it comes to Tartaria, when I leveled that same suspicion, that same amount of agnosticism that I do with Flat Earth, I was met with that fervor that you'd expect from Flat Earthers. And that's yeah. not to you know, put Absolutely. any, any slight against them because I, I do think their bravery and a fair, very, maybe minor amount of nobility <laughs> in expressing such a radically different, you know, paradigm. I think there's some bravery there. Although I might not subscribe to those beliefs, I respect them very minimally for taking that stance because, you know, the world thinks we're crazy for having these beliefs. You know, we can't, we can't yeah. be like crabs in a bucket you know, fighting each other. But to your point, the larger point that you made there, again, very eloquently, I think Tartaria was sort of, like you said, just kind of blessed as this very convenient dead end for people to go down right at this perfect time for people I to mean, dig I mean, into so all we, the we real can't stuff. Conclude. Yeah, we can't conclude anything, but it's a hypothesis, right? Uh, we have to wait and see, you know, it, will it have a, a similar growth to Flat Earth? Will it have an E? Look, if it's not being uh, censored by Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and all that stuff, you know something is up, right? So we have to, to wait and see. But yeah, that's my initial take. It, it always is when something completely, like you said, out of the left field. In fact, let me elaborate on that point I made because the other people know already my view. Here's another post I'm going to read to you. Uh, it's not long, but it's kind of conveys the gist of my attitude to these things. And it answers some of your questions that you, you're raising in your show which is related to the title of your show, My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, which is a funny modern way to say you never become a prophet in your own country. <laughs> um, but that dilemma that you're struggling with there is kind of answered here. And it goes like this. <clears throat> Again, I'm replying to a post in the forum of my subscribers. I'm not concerned with people burning my show. I'm concerned with truth and never ever channeling disinformation in particular and misinformation in general. Almost everything is propaganda these days, so it's a precious thing. But I'm also into paradigm shifts and Dubai, because someone wants me to interview Dubai, Eric Dubai. 
certainly fits the bill there. But so does COVID deniers, whom I think are off course. Unlike, unlike the bioweapon lab leak angle, we have argued since day one. Actually, I was super early on to that. February 19, a month after it hit. We have given a voice to hollow earthers, which is just as much of a paradigm challenge as flat earth, only it rings more true for a million reasons. One of them is they do not have any potential psyop backing, like flat earths do. So we ha in fact, they have the opposite. People are getting killed and stuff. Missions to North Pole and South Pole is sabotaged brutally. You'll hear it. I have many polar shows. So we have to be careful. As the dissident waters are polluted by the fake dichotomy, pick your favorite polarity and start fighting. Never mind that in between, there is a third way you are not meant to know about, let alone consider. So you need to be distracted from that. For example, there is no COVID. Versus it has natural origins. In the middle, lablik. UFOs are aliens versus UFOs are not real. You know, swamp gas, weather balloons, nothing to see here. Never mind the trail of human technology, also known as a classified space program. Be a left winger, vs. be a right winger. Never mind the top bottom reality. The world is flat, vs. the world is a globe. Never mind that it may be a be hollow. We never went to the moon vs. we went just as it was shown. Never mind that we went, but most everything was censored. Ancient aliens ruled the world vs. we started as cavemen 250,000 years ago. Never mind advanced human civilizations for millions of years. Are you starting to see a pattern here? The thing in the middle gets no room, no air, and is fought fervently. The two polarities? cater to the normies and the ob because they know there will be a certain amount of dissidents anyway. So let's sheep hurdle them into this weird, crazy thing. Check uh, dark journalist terminology and elaboration for this phenomenon in my show with him called Enemy of the Deep State. I forgot what he called, but he's spot on with it. To research history for any other purpose than just self-education is a huge responsibility and we are not eligible to do this without basic scientific training, source criticism, contextualization, validation, etc. No field can be really grasped without expertise. And it is with history as with any and everything else in life, it takes 10 years to master and 20 years to become an expert. So, so that was my initial claim to... To, and this is a pet peeve of mine, this false dichotomy and that there's a middle way that you're not meant to know about. Do you catch my drift? Absolutely. You know. But now to the Tartaria thing. I was planning to say no comment, <clears throat> but and I'm not going to comment it. I'm going to co meta comment it because I haven't uh, done enough homework yet to come down on the Tartaria thing, really. But some... The claims I hear from it are really outrageous. Like there was a high civilization, you know, up until what, the 1800s and it's a conspiracy that is being removed, etc. No, like I said, I haven't looked into it yet. So I can't really offer anything. It would just be a, a no, new, noble speculation. Who want to hear that, right? But what I can offer it's an interesting observation, and that's that so often in this field, because we all know that there are disinformation, which is different from misinformation, right? And 
much disinformation is being manufactured in order to sink, in order to protect the mainstream. Because like I said, most people are too busy. They have the head up their asses and I don't blame them, right? They need to make ends meet and they're being chased, dumbed down and chased around. And this is why you have to eradicate the middle class so you can even more tighten that grip. And so one of the very good ways to, to do this is to discredit everything that's not the mainstream because people imagine it's like two camps. It's the mainstream and then there's the other one, whatever you want to call that. Conspiracy theory, for example, many people do. It's just bullshit. It's, 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 it's the world with all its multiple, incredible, innumerable facets and variations and different camps and stuff and everything. And then there's a small minority, which is the mainstream of now. The mainstream of now isn't even the same as the mainstream of yesterday or tomorrow. And that mainstream, it, I mean, if it was in a Catholic age, right, you would have the Vatican as the mainstream and then you would have everything else. So it's not an equal, it's not two teams and they are opposite of each other. No, it's who's got the power and have hijacked the narrative, who's operating the allowed overton window, which is so narrow, it's so tight, it's, it's so incredibly small that it's alienating the human condition. And then there's a huge reality that's everything else, right? And everything else doesn't mean we're on the same team at all. In fact, in the everything else, you'll have everything from communists to Nazis just to put the political angle on it, right? So everything else is where it's at. That's reality, right? And in that bag, they want to scare people away from, from that and into the Overton window. And to do that, you have to manufacture the most outrageous things because things like 9-11, Epstein, um, JFK, what have you, that's not really challenging people too much. That's something people can look into and, oh my God, this is true. You know what I mean? So that doesn't do any favors to the mainstream to the overtone window. In fact, it only helps doing, making people more critical. So those things has to be sunk. But even better than that, if you are a CIA deep player, is to manufacture in, insane things that will scare people or because people will think, again, they're, they're, they're trapped in this false dichotomy, right? The false dichotomy, you see it everywhere on anything. Like I've already been rambling about left wing, right wing, right? It's an anachronism today. Today is top bottom. Because the establishment left and establishment right, they are cooperating as much as they can all the time. They're at the same team. It's the two uh, cheeks of the same ass. And they are conspiring against you. So they have no problem doing that. But they need to keep the populist left and the populist right apart. Because if they ever come together, they're going to topple the bottom top thing. And uh, there's going to be uh, some form of revolution. So, so my point here is, uh, I'm going to get to the point now. And that's that let's manufacture something crazy so that the normies will think, oh my God, being identified with the mainstream paradigm is what I should do. 
because look at the crisis that is on the other side. And that's when you find stuff like flat earth. And it's, it's incredible because you, you could see very often that some, the most insane conspiracy theories, or I should say the most paradigm challenging hypothesis and trends that are launched, they don't seem to get, they seem to have a field day. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying they made it happen, but they certainly let it happen to, to borrow, coin a phrase from the 9-11 thing, right? So while we're trying to, while we're sacrificing blood, sweat and tears just to get through basic stuff, like for example, that COVID was a lab leak, that was a hard battle, man. You were crushed if you tried to talk about that until the floodgates opened on that. So why is that so hard? But you can talk about the most insane stuff. And here's my point. And I put Tataria in the same bag. Again, I haven't looked into it, so I'm not dismissing it at all. I'm just saying it's suspicious how easy so far it seems to have of a field day of getting through. And I'll give you an example of how this works. I did it for the left wing and the right wing, right? Never mind the top bottom in a, a truth in the middle. Well, you have the same thing. Take the, did we, yeah, we never went to the moon versus, oh, no, no. Everything went as it was portrayed. In the middle, what gets lost? That we did indeed went to the moon, but most of it was censored for many different reasons, notwithstanding the Cold War and the space race, or notwithstanding what they found in the moon. You know what I mean? Let's, let, let's take, so the, the Earth is flat. No, the Earth is a sphere. Never mind the one that really is getting a hard time getting through and people are getting killed and... Uh, Worse, that Earth may be hollow. Now, aliens. Okay, so aliens are ETs e e from Mars, Mars, right? Or so UFOs, I mean, are ETs from Mars. No, no, UFOs are swamp gas and weather balloons. Nothing to see here. Move on, folks. Never mind the secret or the classified space program. That's been going on at least from the 40s. You see what I'm saying here? Something is being buried in the middle of two poles. They have to manufacture this false dichotomy, these extremes. I'll give you another example. We started out 200,000 years ago as cavemen and as had a straight upward evolutionary line. And versus, no, no, aliens came to ancient astronauts. Look, they built all this stuff. Never mind in the middle, we have something like Atlantis or, or an antediluvian human civilization. So time and time again, they try to bury this uh, third way, if you like. And it's, always, it's not always a straight case of what's where, but I'll tell you one thing. If something gets opposition, I promise you that's closer to the truth than the thing that seems to get traction from the powers that be. Even if the thing that gets traction from the powers that be seems to oppose the powers that be. Well, it's a useful idiot. Is, is what we need in order to, to, to get the normies to rally around the powers that be. Because they know, they know there will always be about 10%, sometimes even 20 or 30% that will never walk in line with the mainstream. They know that. It's the default. You can't do anything about it. It's the law of nature.
even in sexuality. There were always you can you can try to ban homosexuality with 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 death sentences. There will still be around ten percent homosexuals. You can't you can do something about that. Now let's let's move over to this area again. So, what do we do then when we have contraries, people who are contrary, no matter what? Well, let's let's pollute, let's muddle those waters, let's try to keep that amount as small as possible, and even more important, let's alienate him from his neighbor. Let his family think he's crazy, you know. Let let the left winger or the right winger think that it's a it's a it's a capitalist conspiracy. No, it's a socialist conspiracy, and let them fight each other. Never mind that it's actually a fascist conspiracy, corporatism. No right. difference between the fascism in the thirties and the fascism now in the twenties is that in the thirties the state was controlling the corporations. Now the corporations are controlling the state. It's the same. It's the same beast. It's the same hybrid. So that's what I'm getting at when I'm being reluctant uh, to Tartaria. So we'll have to see how much, how, how easy it's faring further. And I have to look more into, maybe the aspects of it has something going for it. I don't know. I'm oh. totally into the old maps. Yeah. The truths of the old maps. Doggerland, Friesland, many lands. And we had maps, you know. We had uh, uh, our own words for uh, the whole uh, North America. Markland was a place. It's not just Vinland. There were many places. Green, you know. Uh, where, where I live, I think, used to be called Markland, which is funny, given well, my the, name. Where I'm from in Connecticut, I, I've seen those maps. And I'm pretty sure this portion was Markland, maybe like where Maine and New England is now. Maybe I'm wrong. But that would be a great coincidence that my name is Mark. Eh. Eh. Minor significance. Yeah. Funny enough, in Norwegian, Mark means land. Oh. Or it actually means ground. Huh. Mark. Like, um, what's the English word? And I don't have my, com I'm sitting, so my computer isn't readily available. I, could, I look up words immediately. That's how I educate myself in English. Always look up a word I don't know. Immediately, it's just one push of a finger and then. But no, we had we had words for n names for all those places. You know, the it's funny. I don't know if we said it in the Viking show, but gr the Greenland Iceland thing. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> that's the biggest troll in history, man. Yeah, yeah. Because ironically, Greenland should be called Iceland and Iceland should be called Greenland. But right. they w they wanted people to come to to Greenland. So, so, so they, they call it Greenland. They didn't want them to come to Iceland. So they call it Iceland. Of course, there is also the truth that there was a small ice age and that Greenland was actually green. At many periods of, of, they were, uh, they were doing, uh, they were doing uh, agriculture there for a while. Mm. So you have that. Yeah. Are you looking at the clock? No, no, no. I'm looking at a map. I have, I have a map. It's the top of the world. So it's oriented from like the North Pole. And it's interesting because, you know, when you look at like how the United Nations spanned everything out, it's really not as accurate as when you look at. No, that's called a political map. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Types of maps, right? But yeah. if you look at the real uh, projection of the landmass, you'll see that Greenland isn't as big as it's. But Africa is a huge map. 
Right. Africa is huge, but on these political maps, it's shrunk. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a funny, I was going to say Greenland, it's much further north on this map. It looks like it's more in the center of the, of the, the top, you know, if we're going to go with the globe model, but yeah, I've also heard that before past guests have mentioned how they're trying to hide Africa you know, in that way, manipulate the consciousness and make people think, oh, Africa is this small place. They're not a big political power. I'm not sure that's an intention, but it's certainly an effect, right? Mm. But because there are different reasons to make map and different ways to do it. So it, it could make sense to make a map like that. I'm not saying anything different there, but uh, I can tell you one thing, and that's you know that, you know, if mankind is millions of years old and all the evidence points to that, then I'll tell you one thing for sure. There was a civilization in Greenland and you probably find traces of it under the ice. Right. So let's hope the ice is actually melting. You <laughs> also find civilization under Sahara deserts. Yeah. Talking about Africa. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen. Yeah, but that was lush. And then, of course in Antarctica. Yeah, well, I don't know the Piri rice map and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen things about the Sahara. Yeah, you love my series with Cliff High. It's called Antarctica on Vale. Oh, yeah? One of one of the biggest hits, yes. I think it's it's an old series now, but it's still it's still pretty unique in terms of all this polar uh, mystery thing. Yeah, you'll have to put me in. Everybody was exploiting the polar thing for a while, right? And you had the Corey Good bullshit. That's an example of a manufactured. There you got an example of what I said. Maybe I should criticize that more than flat earth because there's many flat earth and most flat earthers are sincere. Right. Even though it may have been a case of made it happen or let it happen, most of them are true believers. They are really fans in the real world, fanatics. But if you look at the Corey Good thing, you know, the, the yeah, yeah. hijack, the whole secret space, the secret space program thing was a serious conference with serious researchers like Richard Dolan, Catherine Fitz, Joseph Farrell, you, you, you mentioned Walter Bosley, many others. There was many academics involved. It was good traction and the powers that be panicked and they launched this bullshit thing with, uh, it's not just Corey Gould, but he's, he's the most known face of it. These so-called whistleblowers and this uh, wannabe, remember I talked about the two types of figures in our field. I don't, I'm not going to rehash it now. But I mentioned Ike and Sarion as an example. Well, Will Cook is another example of those guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've had past shows where we've kind of dressed them down, so to speak. These guys, Brandon and, and Perry, have a radio show. Yeah, they have a radio show where they, they, they clown them. They the entire secret space program thing because it's, if there's anything that really scares the power, they supposed to be applauding the alien thing. They want the alien thing to be out there. Right. You'll find it on Netflix and everything, but it's something, you know, one of our best shows is called uh, This is the Classified Space Program with Michael Schratt, another guy who was a part of the original. Now you watch that. We made, some of our shows were made into videos, like video illustrations, so you can actually watch it. It's on YouTube. You can also listen to it as a podcast, but I really recommend go to the YouTube thing. It's demonetized and it's crushed. They even try to delete a channel over it. That's really scaring them because they don't want people to be aware that they are laughing all the way to the stars. They have the technology to, to take ET home. 
And I, as one insider said, another insider said, we have the technology to uh, go to the stars and back again before lunch. So why would they want people to know that? There may be a demand. I'll tell you a similar scary thing, and that's that they have cracked the aging thing. It was actually done in, the, in a public university in California. They know how to stop aging. It's a genetic thing. It's the ancient man had it too. You can read about how the ancient people lived for hundreds of years. It's not a natural lifespan living. I mean, in some parts of history, we lived to we were 50. In other parts, 100, right? We're going back again now because of all, all the crap in the modern society. Yeah, I have some health shows too. I'm going to have more health shows, but they don't seem to be popular, which is very sad because this is something people need to listen to. It's an alternate health paradigm. Absolutely. Me, I look like a baby still. Yeah. That's because... That's because I, I, I walk as I talk and I practice what I preach. But anyway, back to the point, and that's that. And why was I talking about health? I was talking about... Uh, oh. Alternatives, you were talking about how in California they reverse aging. Yeah. They reverse, yeah. So, so now, and this has gone black. And I predicted it from the first time I heard it. Then you, are you crazy? You think they're ever going to let the plebs into this technology? If anything, they want us to live shorter, have even shorter time on earth to, you know, be up to what, the, uh, up, uh, to what they're up to, be on to what they're up to. If anything, they, they only need us as drones. So, but this is used by the elite. So now we're going to get people like Jeff Bezos live to their many, I mean, they will still die if they run over by a car or something like that. Right. But in lieu of that, they're going to live uh, forever, man. And they're going to have all the money in the world and all the power in the world. It's a scary, futuristic thing. And then you have the AI and the transhumanism thing. It's scary where science fiction is becoming real in front of our eyes in real time, man. And people have to be onto this. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine all the pain and sorrow that could be cured by, by this technology becoming mainstream, right? And it was financed by us, the people. It was uh, researched by, it's the same with the vaccines. You know, the vaccines aren't, the vaccines is the biggest money scheme in, in modern history because the, it's financed by the public. It's developed by the public. And then the patents are given to the big pharma and they, and they, they haven't had one dime in expense. But they get all the profits from it and they can basically put the price for it as they want. That's how it works. It's a corrupt system. It's not a meritocracy. It's not even capitalism. It's not a free market. It's not socialism either. It's corporatism. That's what the name of the beast man. And it's monopolism. That's what they need. They want monopoly. Like Jimmy Dore just said the other day. He, yeah, they, the, the scheme is that they just want everything to become one big company, right? One big company. That's it. They don't even want to state anymore. The state is yesterday's. That's, that's, that's the tyranny point two. Tyranny point one was the king, the, the kingdoms and the, the religious and, 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 and kingdom powers, right? The tyranny point two was the state. Tyranny point three, where they are at now, is everything is just one huge corporation. Mm. And there's a, there's a, there's a, 
There's a sad, subtle irony to the word company because everybody wants to be uh, in the company of loved ones, but unfortunately, yeah, we're a corporation instead. I, I think. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I don't. I'm not arguing your use of it, but it's not. We can't argue that people use that word. It's in the lexicon, at least here in America. You know, company makes sense to people, but I, I just think it's ironic in that sense. Cartel is the real word. <laughs> yeah. That's how they're operating. Wow. Because cartels connect corporations together. You try, you try to untangle the web of ownership. Good luck, man. It should be public information. It's not even conspiracy. It's just analysis of facts. Right. But you try to talk about it and they look at you as you're crazy, even though it's, it's baked into the system, right? You have the mother comp company of a mother company of a mother company of a mother company. Who's the owners? Who's the shareholders? And there's a revolving door in the public image of who's in control. That's the CEOs and all those people. But if you go to the ownership end of it, good luck. It's a maze, man. And it's deliberate. And did you know the CIA has their own bank? They're into banking. I mean, we, I mean, we were just scratching the surface, right? This is just a friendly chat. It's a short, it's not a long form thing at all, but I hope we've thrown enough pointers out there for people to follow up on. And if they don't have the time and energy, which I don't blame them at all, this is why I have a show, then come to places like my show and I'll help you. I'll have people on who goes on about this because you, you don't have the resources to do it yourself. So I'm doing it for you. This is why people need to support independent media. We're being quenched left and right. Absolutely. I mean it. People on the right thought it's just the right wing and people on no, it's the populism all over. Populism in the real sense of the word, of the people, for the people. There may be oh, misinformation too. There may be honest. Look, there's a phenomenon. I, I don't know if you agree with this, but let me share an observation with you. In this field, dissident field, independent media field, what you call conspiracy theory field, term I hate, um, there's kind of two types. Type one, which I strongly identify with, is those who do it for idealistic reasons. The reason I do it, it's not money, it's not uh, fame and fortune, it's to help the world wake up. It's to battle the increasing fascism, the, the censorship, the, the status quo narrative. It's to spread as much as possible subversive information. And it, it, that implies converting muggles, normies, exoteric people. It implies reaching them. That's actually my main... I can have a choir that says hallelujah to all my preaching. And that's fine. We all need some backup, some sympathy. But I don't, if, if that was the only thing I had, I wouldn't be doing this. I need to feel I convert people and I'm so pleased and I do all the time. I try deliberately to have one foot in the normie world and one foot in the rabbit hole to be a bridge. And, it, that, and then people think, oh, that, so you have to dumb it down. You can't go all the way. No, it's not about that at all. I can take deep stuff. I only go deep. That's what I do. But it has to be accurate. It has to be, have expertise. It has to back up. We have to use the old method that used to fly, the scientific method. 
which is to provide evidence, provide expertise. We can't just sit all around in a circle jerk, speculating to the cows come home, right? We have to know what we're talking about and get on people who knows what they're talking about because there's plenty of dissident stuff that needs to be hashed out and get some airtime. Everything, almost everything is answered these days. So, so there's no shortage of topics. You don't have to go into, you know, extreme stuff that doesn't fit any narrative. I'm just, I'm picking on the flat earthers now, but I'm using them as an example, right? You could also say Holocaust denial and stuff like that. I'm not, and, and this isn't even to touch the question if the world is flat or if there was gas chambers. I wasn't in a gas chamber, so I can't 100% know. And I don't even have the expertise to 100% say the world isn't flat, if I'm being honest, right? But those are the usual outliers. I can use an example so you know what I'm talking about. Now, that's the one type. Then there's type two in our field. And they're not into it for anything other than themselves. They want to be prophets. They want a choir to preach to. They want fame and fortune. And very sometimes they are creative, but usually they are thieves. Usually they're just rehashing and regurgitating stuff that's already there. And, and people don't know any better. People don't know. Let's say there was a crucial thing. I'm pretty sure m many people listened to that show and had no background, no expertise, and they were saying hallelujah to everything they heard. And I, I don't even thought for a minute that show was a disinfo. It was misinfo. They were just too ignorant who were speculating about something. And I totally got that from my perspective because this was in my home turf. So as an expert, I could hear, oh, I can see why they would think this. Oh, they've listened to that source. Oh, I see where they went wrong. You see what I mean? I could see it was an honest accident. But people usually don't know, so they will eat up everything that these uh, gurus will spew to them. And sometimes these gurus may even be disinfo agents. But usually they, sometimes they are misinfo and sometimes they may even speak truth. Like, like, like an Alex Jones, he began as a type two. Today he's a type one, but he is convinced of what he's saying is true. So, so, but the one guy, you're probably not going to like this, but David Icke is an example of someone who's preaching to the choir, who's not reaching normies. He's getting, he's building up his base based on the huge market of people who are already turned against the, the main. I'm, I'm not, yeah, we I'm not offended. <laughs> no, okay. So, so that's my analysis of Ike. I'll give you another example of someone who's into it for his own thing. And that's uh, Michael Sarion. Mm. I know the area he talks about. There's not one original thought in his. Uh, there's some disinfo. Uh, there's, there's there's some bullshit. Uh, there's some real things, but he's he's not trying to convert normies, and neither is he even pretending to. Same with Ike. Same with many of those. And honestly, there there may be room for both, but. I would prefer, I, I trust most those who, and that's what I love about your show. You, you, you even say my family thinks I'm crazy. So you, you are onto this problem, right? That we're becoming an outcast. So why well, not bridge it? It's been my whole life. Bridged yeah. it. And Alex bridges it inadvertently. 
if he started out today, he wouldn't. But he started out in the mainstream. Right. And he had a natural evolution. And, and so he's, he, his whole show is just a huge bridge. Right. But now he's so far down the rabbit hole that he has no patience for the normal stuff. The, the other thing to consider with, and I don't mean to switch gears totally, but I, I do agree with everything you just said, especially the part about, okay. you know, like who we're dealing with. Because there's the conspiratainment podcasters who are happy to eat popcorn and watch the apocalypse blow up in their face. And then there are the guys like us who are, you know, trying to take a solutions approach to this. And we're all going to do that in our own unique way. They should be more like our type, people who want to make a difference and takes this seriously and understands that there is no such thing as, look, there are conspiracy facts in the world, but it's almost insane to talk about it because everything is a conspiracy. Even ordinary, just running a business is a conspiracy. So that shouldn't be, it's corruption, it's fascism, it's it's plotting, it's um, criminality, it's uh, brainwashing. That's the real words. That's what they used to call it before CIA coined the term conspiracy. So I, I really think those who are concerned about that and, and, and want to fight that seriously is who we should ally with because that's who I see as my allies. I don't see anyone. It takes nothing to be against it. Look, the system is one big cult. Anyone who doesn't fit there are going to become dissidents, even Christian fundamentalists, even jihadists. Should we have an open tent and have everyone in the world? Because that's what is going on. It's the cult of the establishment. And then there's everyone else. But let's say the establishment is toppled and a new establishment comes with its own bullshit ideology. We're still in the same place, right? The revolution eats its children. So I'm not identifying with everyone just because they are tossed out of the mainstream. There's even people who are tossed out of the mainstream who should be tossed out of the mainstream, if you see what I mean. Right. Well, Al, this has been, I hope, the first of many conversations we had sort of a continued conversation from our previous conversation, but folks need to go to forumborealis.net and support this man because as he just said, he's doing the work for you. He's making it easy. And as I stated in the beginning, eloquent, intelligent, and just a brilliant podcast. It's perfect for any interest to cover a wide scope of, of subjects with any really, really high level guests. So, you know, kudos to you, Al. I really appreciate you sharing your time with us. I know the time difference is a little wonky, but we're going to get back together and maybe go more in depth on one of these subjects. So how does it work with us? Because, you know, most shows, like say um, THC, for example, right? It's a standard model. You get the first hour free. And the second hour is for members or supporters or whatever, subscribers. And, you know, it's always been like that. Uh, you have uh, Coast to Coast, they did something similar. And yeah, it's it's a mainstream model. But I never liked that model because I was a freeloader. And it was so interesting listening to this stuff. And oh my God, damn, I want to hear the second hour. Oh, I have to search for it on pirates, sites, etc. Yeah, sure, I could just uh, support them. But here's the thing. Not everybody can afford that. That's number one. There are actually, if you want to reach as many people as possible, and especially people who would be sympathized 
you know, those who are already down and out, you don't have to do a lot of convincing to rally them around some kind of subversive dissident agenda, right? So that's number one. Number two, there's many people who doesn't have means. I don't mean economic resources. I mean, I, I don't want to do PayPal. I don't want to do, you just said to me, Pat, Patreon censoring, for example. Right. A bit new web. So they don't have the means. How can I donate? Can I send you cash in an envelope? I've had people do that. Even someone in America sent me a Norwegian bill. <laughs> I think he picked it up in Norway or something. So, so I, wanna, I want everyone to be able to hear everything. So you will hear the wonderful voice of Bella. She always says in my show, she says, all of our files, I'm going to update it now because it's uh, outdated, but she says, all of our files are free and will remain free. So we don't have a model where we withhold parts of the show. And I need to say that because I get flack. I'm the last guy who should get this flack from spoiled snots out there who, where's the second part? Where's the third part? Oh, you are only commercial. You're only into this to, for your money, blah, blah, blah. It's so unfair. It really ticks me off when they do that because I've been going out of my way to give everything to everyone. So what is my model then? And why are some people thinking I'm having this classical model that everyone is having? Well, my model is this. Donate to us. If you donate to us, we will, you will get access to our website subscriber section. And I don't care if you donate a dollar or a hundred dollar. I don't distinguish between uh, the amounts. Now, what does that mean to get access to the subscriber section? It simply means that at any given time, there is at least 10 unreleased shows. Now, in reality, because I'm always behind, I don't know how we have just talking about this. I don't know how people manage really having a meltdown, trying to manage this thing, always behind. So I think it's like 30 unreleased now, but let's say there's 10 unreleased. So that doesn't mean they're always unreleased and those shows are unreleased. It's one in one out, right? So I have, I make a new show and I release another show. So everything is eventually coming to the public. If you can't wait for it, well, that's on you, right? I remember how people who, they're so fans of Cliff High or Joseph Farrell, especially those two, that, oh, I want it now, I want it immediately. It's a freebie generation, right? I want everything free. And, and you're getting it free, man. I'm telling you, you're getting it free. What on earth are you complaining about? But you just have to be patient. So I'm not withholding anything. Go to... Go to Mark and complain. Go to the Sandman complain. No. Greg and complain, right? Or, or RuneSoup. No. They're coming to me and complaining. And I'm the one who's giving them everything for free. So I need to drill that into the skulls of I, people. I do, I do a very similar, I do a very similar thing. My, my supporters. Sorry then. To no, 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 it's person. okay. It's all right. And I, I'm so glad that you clarified. And I think that's very admirable. And I think it's, it should be noted because it seems like there's only one or two models, you know, and that's a third model that. Nobody used this model when I started. I, I thought of it myself. Are well, you saying it's a normal model now? No, no, no. I, I had the idea 
separately just because I had a similar issue where I had all these backlog episodes and I didn't want to, you know, leave anything out. You know, I tried to do a couple episodes where half of it was on the Patreon, but I got the same kind of flack and I was just like, yeah, this doesn't feel like what I want to do. So I no, just like because we want all this info to be out there. Yeah. So and I'm not into this for the money. Right. Well, and and I I have to feed myself. So I am into this for the money to a certain extent, which is why I decided, you know, if you want to support the show, you'll get the shows early. I even put them without producing them at one point, but I felt like that's just poor, looks bad on me. So now I produce them and I put them out and then they usually come out a few days after I put it out for the Patreon audience. No, nowhere near as big as a back catalog as as that uh, thirty episodes, but it's still yeah, I, I like that. I, and then I'd also like maybe in a few months to join you on your show to discuss Skull and Bones because I know you and I had a little conversation about that, and I might be able to bring some research to the table. And who knows, maybe at the end of the day. You Great won't. Idea. Yeah, I, I thought you would like that. Well, I think this is, like I said, the first of, of many conversations we'll have. So thank you so much for being here, Al. And uh, for everyone listening, enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And you just heard my new friend Al Borealis share his thoughts, his opinions, his criticisms. And yeah, maybe you disagree, but that's okay. We are not here to agree. Our families think we're crazy for many different reasons. And this is a place where we can come and share strange ideas that most people would judge so let's not be judgmental towards each other right let's share the talking stick let everyone air their grievances and if you have any comments if you have any concerns if you have any messages you'd like to leave go to the telegram leave me a voice message you can also hit me up on instagram or via email if you prefer and i will address it in our extended outro particularly awesome or interesting i would love to flatter myself and just read all the nice messages i get but i don't think people would enjoy hearing that after a while so we talk about some of that on the patreon we have many different shows i do a couple extended patreon shows where we talk about spirit animal names and give everybody who signs up for the patreon a spirit animal name I also do a Patreon-only exclusive show that goes along with my Illuminati Confirmed podcast with Juan and Chris, and we just recorded one earlier this evening, Uh, and as a matter of fact, you're about to hear an extended outro with my friend Juan. Juan joined me on 420, which I think was the day before his birthday. Happy birthday, Juan. He just turned 28. And he's about to have another kid. So big shout out, big congrats to Juan. Keep your head up, buddy. I know it's going to be rough the next couple weeks, but you'll get through it. And uh, yeah, much love from us over here at the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Juan has been doing a lot of cool stuff with Paranoid American, making some really awesome comic books. 
and uh, he actually just put out some really cool merch so if you want a new t-shirt it's getting warmer out go check out Juan's merch and while you're at it check out my merch we got some amazing designs some of them created by some cool artists like Bag Straws and Rockwist Mikey uh, and myself too i also created some really cool designs and they're available for you to purchase right now if you go to the link in the description right now right 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 now and if you use the promo code summertime you will get three dollars off i just thought of that off the top of my head and we're gonna do that three dollars off anybody who buys a t-shirt right now just use the promo code SUMMER. Yeah, use the promo code SUMMER because I think summertime might be too long, but I'm going to create that right now. But anyways, thank you to everybody supporting the show. Obviously, I mean, how could you not by now want to check out Forum Borealis? Al talks about so many interesting topics, some really great interviews. I would recommend people check out the Ole Demigard episode uh, for sure, that was great. He's got some amazing interviews with Joseph Farrell, who's been on his show many, many times. I was listening to a great interview with Tobias Churton. I was listening to another interesting one that we kind of talked about today with a man named Thor, uh, whose last name, uh, let's see if... Okay, Thor Elptir Daur. Elp to your dollar. What do you think about that, Al? Not bad pronunciation. I don't know. Probably could use some work. But yeah, they got a bunch of great interviews. I mean, some really legendary guests. Like he said, he's interviewed Michael Cremo. He's interviewed uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, uh, Richard Dolan, Christopher McIntosh, all sorts of very, very top level researchers. So don't waste any time. Go subscribe to Forum Borealis, the newest podcast on Alt Media United. That's right. A podcast cooperative where you can support independent podcasters like myself and Al. Go over to altmediaunited.com and subscribe. You can go over and just get a link and immediately have every podcast subscribed in your preferred podcast app. You just use the OPML export file. And you'll have all of the Alt Media United podcasts in your podcast player. And I got to add the newest lineup of shows to that playlist as well. Just adding things to the list for me to do. I got to write this down. So first I have to do the promo code SUMMER. The thing that I was just saying that I already forgot. Anyways, this is going on quite long enough sign up for the telegram air your grievances send your messages send your love join in the party join on patreon join on rockfin support us with a one-time donation my car is still not fixed so help me out folks love to get back on the road um big shout out to chris from upstate new york you're super kind and i really appreciate your messages and I might take you up on your offer to help me fix my car. We'll see. I think my transmission might be totally shot. So anybody who wants to support the show, keep this train on the tracks uh, so I don't have to stop and go get a full-time job. 
uh, please sign up on the Patreon. That's the seems like the most win-win value for value way for you to support me because you get a bunch of bonus content. Uh, if you don't mind sending a one-time donation, that's awesome as well. But anyways, enjoy this extended outro with on Ayala and uh, peace out. I'll see you guys on the other side with a new episode this Wednesday. I know I switched up the format. Usually the extended outros have a guest on Wednesdays, but last week we didn't have an extended outro. We didn't even have a Wednesday show. It was a bonus episode that came out on Wednesday and the David Whitehead interview, which went amazing, came out on Friday or technically Saturday. So yeah, anyways, this is coming out today, right now, after I finish this and uh i love you all so much enjoy this extended outro with my good friend host of the one-on-one podcast Juan Ayala. yeah i've been to the north i've been to kentucky i've been to georgia <laughs> i've been north of me <laughs> to the, to the, well yeah north of me bro i mean see we're by the keys and shit. that's as far south as you can get over here so what's up, dude? Thanks for joining me in Prom Two. I'm just editing, editing two podcasts, waiting for the shit. You literally sent me that when my roadcaster had just finished, like taking the stuff off the SD card, bro. Okay. Well, are you good time? Are you relieved that I found all those Patreon episodes? No, I had most of them. I had I had a lot of them. The only one that you were missing was I think, two, I think maybe two of them. Yeah. Wait, I'm still missing. I'm still missing two Patreon episodes out of all the ones I published. No, you were you were missing two in total, not two more. You were missing two in total, which you already posted them. Which one of them was that Soterigetti one, and then I think one more. Well, there's one that yeah. you recorded with your phone that I never published because we recorded t- two or three episodes like that. And I, I only have one or two of them. No, you got you got it. It was there was a 226 one, then a 326 one, I think it was 326. Yeah, but you got them all. The only one that we were really missing was the esoteric editing. But I like those intros, but those intros are fire. I was freaking out because I couldn't find I couldn't find a clean clip of Chris going ah, or whatever that noise was. Can I get a ah? and do it though? No, I realized that the one of them, the music didn't kick in until after, so I used that one. But I spent like an hour trying to find the episode where Chris did that because I literally was like, oh, I should make a fun intro with and the first episode I clicked on, I found that moment just immediately and I recorded it. And it's funny because in that moment, I was like, Juan, you should put that on your soundboard. And now it's the intro. But I wish I remembered what episode that was. I even typed in on Descript a bunch of times soundboard to try to find that moment i couldn't find it so who knows maybe it was on a a public episode 
Probably. I mean, we've done so many episodes. They're not even all numbered, but we've probably done like close to 20 episodes now. Well, yeah, and I'm I'm wondering maybe I've been slacking on my own podcast because here I am recording a fucking bonus episode with you right now because <laughs> I need some extra I need some extra content. I don't know. I was supposed to do an episode with Al Borealis from uh, Forum Borealis, but we ended up just talking today. We didn't even really like we recorded, but it wasn't a whole podcast. He he asked to. Yeah, it's a whole thing. But anyways, so I'm putting out my latest appearance on Lighting the Void as my episode yeah, tomorrow. On there last night. <laughs> That's what made me think of you. I was like, oh shit, Juan was just on Lighting the putting the Lighting the Void out episode out tomorrow. I should have him on for an extended outro for Friday's episode. Because hey. you've been doing a whole hell of a lot lately, and people have heard us talk many times on Illuminati Confirmed, but we still haven't done a proper My Family Thinks I'm Crazy featuring Juan Ayala. So we're going to make that happen. But considering your time and what's going to be going on in the next few months, this might be a, a happy medium for that. We'll get you on the extended outro and then we'll build up to that eventual appearance on the my family thinks i'm yeah, crazy bro. podcast is that too much to ask i'm a really big fan dude i've been wanting to go on that show for so long that you know i'm one of your biggest fans mark you know i bought all your shirts you know i bought all your rock not shirts. all the shirts we have 80 different shirts for <laughs> sale in the merch store i created most of them myself i don't know but thank you brother i appreciate you buying the merch did you oh did i show you the stickers i got the stickers in the mail yeah i meant to order some but you freaking you should have put like a qr code on them or something bro oh well, i did put my website we don't have an illuminati confirmed website yet so i put my website hope you don't mind i think it's going for like a hundred bucks i think the illuminati confirmed website is going for like a hundred dollars oh the, the oh the domain name yeah me look it up yeah dude we should tell big money fat cat chris to buy it chris told me he's like a millionaire or something is that true is that why he's always going on ski trips and snowboarding trips because he made all his money you, bro, snowboarding it stops his fog it's definitely sus it's definitely sus well it's 420 we're here i had to do an episode because i know one, you have a very similar schedule to me, probably out of necessity, given this is the only time of day you probably have some peace and quiet in your house. A very similar thing here at my new place. The road is very close to the house, so it's just motorcycles and trucks and cars all day, which isn't the worst. But, but yeah, I've, I've been doing my intros and outros at night when it's nice and peaceful and calm. You're finally all settled in, bro? Oh, yeah, dude. I showed you the studio already. I got some yeah. new new milk crates from Wawa's. So we're going to have some more bookshelf space now. I'm excited. If anybody wants to send some books to be in the library, please send me some books. I will. I got to get a P.O. box. I wasn't going to tell you, but 
I was I'm going to this rare bookstore down here in Florida. I was gonna try and find something to send to you, but I ruined the surprise, bro. Oh well, that's so kind of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I dude, I'll take any and all books. I would say go there for your own interests and get try to find some kind of uh, book that was published pre World War Two that's relating to history. You know, something mm. like post, you know, pre-World War One would probably be a good thing to shoot for. I found a map at a antique bookstore. It was like a 1920s map of Africa. It was interesting, but it's not accurate anymore because Africa's changed so much in the past hundred or so years. But it was cool to see like some of the original, not original names, but like the kingdoms that were around even in the 1900s like one country in africa was called dahomey and it doesn't exist anymore as a pro yeah well the way i pronounce it it sounds like that but i don't know if they pronounced it that way but yeah it's like this ancient kingdom it was around since like 800 a.d or something crazy like that and and they were a country up until like world war one or world war two because africa got all split up and carved up and then they reorganized it and it was a whole mess but yeah i found a map we also found not much there weren't there weren't there's not many good conspiracy books at this antique bookstore but i did find a book about sacred native american circles that i haven't Ooh. looked into yet that one looks cool and then where else do we go we went to another bookstore recently and I got a book called Descartes' Secret Notebook. I feel like you oh, would know yeah, about I love that. that book. You have it? Yeah, dude, I have that book. I mean, PDF form, but yeah, I have it. It's amazing, bro. I couldn't put it down. Damn, I gotta, yeah, I gotta, I gotta dig into that. It's in my backpack because I was gonna bring it to a coffee shop. But yeah, I got a couple good ones. I mean, geez, this bookshelf is gonna take me years to dig through, but we got some good stuff. Yeah, that's such a good book, dude. It's about how Leibniz, one of the uh, the father of binary code, he goes on like this hunt for after Descartes died, he left this secret. He left like a stash of unpublished things in his personal journal, and he left that notebook encrypted, bro. It's like a secret code that oh, supposedly Leibniz never cracked it, but he died trying, bro. It's the craziest thing. I could even put it down. You got to get this book. This is like an analysis of, of Leibniz. It's a good book. He's a man, you know, you know who he is, but this guy Kelly shows like the metaphysical traditions that this, you know, Leibniz would have been inspired by. Yeah. Ever heard of Ray Raymond Lilly? No. The first guy ever to create a computer in the year like 1300. Yeah. But what's the definition of computer to them? Well, you're correct. It was like an analog contraption, I guess. I don't know. But anyways, I mean, point is that that dude inspired, like, and inspired Descartes. Mm. Like, he was the, the he was one of the first alchemists ever. And he created this machine to, like, be able to counter people's arguments that he couldn't convert to Christianity. <laughs> mm. Bro. He would just give him this machine, like the Scientologists do, bro. That's kind of like what they were talking about in the Penny Royal podcast. Did, did you? We kind of talked. I don't listen to them. No, they, I I kind of talked about it with him on his when he was on my show. 
the creator of that podcast. But apparently, according to his research, there's some kind of like computer that the Masons used. It's like a crypto mm -hmm. cryptograph device to make like codes and stuff. So I wonder yep. if like it started with that dude's invention in the 1300s and then it just went like underground because they were using it to like create these codes, you know, because I think the biggest problem with the code is like, how do you remember it without also leaving a record for people to who you don't want to crack the code, right? So like the code breakers have to like create the code, but then they also have to, you know, hide the code, you know, the, the way to crack the code from anybody who, who might be, you know, their enemy. So these like machines, these little devices, you know, because it's something that you can put your hands on and physically like have a, like a memory of how to use it almost like riding a bike. You know, the old saying is mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, you never forget how to ride a bike. What if that's what these devices were used for? Like they, they're kind of like, what's the word for it? It's like a, not a memory tool, but something there's probably more and more advanced, you know, word for it. But yeah, something like that. That that's what I would think computers would be back then. The the Oculus Society ever heard of that? The Oculus. I think I think we've talked about this. If not, I remember somebody bringing it up because I I've had a couple conversations about VR. I think we talked about VR on an episode. I've always like ever since I first put a, one of those early Oculuses on, I've been very weirded out by the technology because it made me sick and i'm, I'm not like about the the secret society the oculus oh aren't they like a secret society of eye doctors or something like that something yeah weird? bro optometrists the, yeah their their codex that they had that was like 250 years old or something crazy like that it was just cracked like not too long ago in the recent past where it, it was it, they had to use an AI algorithm to crack it and like a bunch of scientists to figure it out. And they were finally able to figure it out. And it was a text like showing like their initiation ritual, of like what they would do and how they would do it. And they were like, I guess, pseudo Freemasons. Right. But that's yeah, that's the, the part I was remembering is they had like a, like an eye doctor's tool, but it was oriented mm -hmm. the same way as a, compass so there's kind of like a masonic type of deal that makes sense you know like the whole trades system of people doing learning trades you know that's a part of to my knowledge that's a part of how all those masonry guilds first started you know you had all these groups of people teaching each other specialized knowledge and then it eventually evolved into political and social manipulation you know, but mm -hmm. initially it was a way of, you know, sharing, sharing information, sharing knowledge, you know, like the same way, like our buddy Thomas, you know, like he's kind of, uh, he's a, he's a Mason, but like, he's also in a different way, like organizing with all these artists to create this really cool artwork. Right. That's, I mean, yeah, he's kind of doing it old school way in a way, but, yeah. but yeah. I don't know, man. It's 420. As much as I love talking about all this secret society stuff, we really ought to save that for a full episode because we could ramble on about that forever. I don't want to keep you up too late, but I do want to, like I said, have you in this extended outro 
And I'm wondering, it's 420. It's 420, bro. Do you, like, what's Florida, what's weed in Florida like? Because I've had buddies that have gone down there. They've partied in Florida, but I, I've never gone down there to party. I've never, I've never even been there as an adult. So I have no idea what it's like, but what's the weed like down there? Well, I'm smoking a bunch of stuff from Colorado, dude. So, <laughs> so it's that bad you're getting it shipped in. <laughs> Yeah, bro. I'm still, my my stepbrother got me a bunch of stuff last time he went over there, and I'm still going through it. But see, the homie Romy might be coming down, and we're going to be possibly doing a podcast in person. Hopefully, he's coming down for a wedding here in Orlando, and uh, we might meet up in the middle of the Everglades and do a podcast, dude. Little Sasquatching, bro. Damn. All right. Well, I know how soon that's coming up, but I would love to. I would love to to do that. That sounds like a, a fun occasion getting high with my homie Romy and Juan in the Everglades. Shit, that sounds like a good time. But it's really like that. Like you don't have like Jamaican lamb's bread or lamb's breath or like some cool exotic Caribbean weeds. One time I asked my dealer, I said, hey, bro, you think you can give me some sativa? Because I like the sativa high. And he's like, Bro, what the fuck this look like? A dispensary? We got what we got. And I'm like, all right, bro. That's fine. That's what you told me, bro. Never again have I asked. Hey, you got a new variety, dude? Oh, man. You got to <laughs> find a new dealer, homie. <laughs> you know, it's funny, like, the synchronicity. I was going to ask you this before. Like, I wonder if you... if you experienced this as a podcast host yourself. Like, I don't remember if I told you this. But I was hoping to get in touch with Catherine Austin Fitz. Did I tell you about that? You know who that is? No. Mm -mm. So she's she's like a, a pretty well-known conspiracy researcher. Pretty sure she was a part of the White House cabinet for president. You know, so she's, I don't know if she's a whistleblower or consultant. I, I really should do my homework. But Catherine Austin Fitz legendary she's been on Infowars. sam asked me to book her and then you know just through synchronicity i talked to another podcaster today who just so happened to have interviewed her and uh, you know put me in touch so that's always cool and i wonder like the same kind of thing happened with weed like when i would be in the need for a new dealer or one dealer would like move out of town or somebody with weed was like a scammer it was like synchronistically someone else would come along and uh, right at that at that moment and uh, have the weed that you need you know <laughs> but but yeah it's kind of funny how the podcast thing you know with the guests different guests it kind of works that way Depending on the topic, Sorry. you know, depending on what I'm interested in, in researching, usually that's the, what I'm already focused on. So that's what I, the symbols that I'm looking for, you know. Mm. So you haven't gotten a hold of her, you just reached out? No, I, I did get a hold of her. Oh. Ooh. With the email. I, oh, you mean like, have I gotten a response? No, I sent the email today. So don't jinx me, bro. Oh. Oh, my bad, bro. So much shit on my desk, I can't even knock on wood. <laughs> it's plywood, bro. I don't think it counts. This is not plywood. This is an Amish. This is nice Amish furniture, dude. I got a, 
I, I even screwed a microphone stand into it. That's how sturdy this desk is. Damn. Screwed some other yeah, things gonna... on this desk too, but we can't talk about that on the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to miss my setup for a little bit. It'll probably be about a month where I'm going to have to do yeah, what's, my energy. What's your plan? You got everything automatically scheduled to, to publish? What do you, are, are listeners going to have to wait on episodes? What's the deal, bro? No, dude, I got, uh, I'm going to take my portable stuff down. My, so I have like a portable podcast setup. I'm going to take it down. I got a gaming laptop. I'm going to set up down there, dude. I'm going to do what you said, buy those green posters, put them up on the wall. Yeah, put dude, go to like a green. grocery store. I, you guys have all kinds of different grocery stores down there. So I'm not even going to try to name the grocery store, <laughs> but up, I was just at the grocery store and I saw these big green pieces of like construction paper. And I was like, whoa, those are like green screen color green. And I don't have any space to put them up behind me, but my thought was like, maybe I'll put them on this blank wall right here. And then for certain videos, I'll like turn my camera and sit on this side of my desk and just do like, you know, whatever it is that we're, we're trying to do for our, our video. Cause I think with Illuminati confirmed, we're going to get pretty creative. I mean, obviously we're going to have sort of a, a couple months to sort of take it ease you know all three of us are all going to be focusing on our own things for the next few months but once we get back together you know and we're really like full throttle illuminati confirmed you know i think we need to put the pedal to the metal on guests i mean you like michael Wan. i talked to him today he loved it you know he was like dude nobody nobody does that on podcasts he's like you guys pushed me he was like, I loved it, he, you know, and I, I told him like, well, I was a little worried. I was like, I almost uh, told Chris to take it easy, but, but no, I think that's kind of what we need to do. And, and, uh, you know, there's too many people faking the funk out there for us to not have that sort of edge. And, you know, we don't have to do it with our own shows, but that's what Illuminati confirmed is all about. You know, like, are you really uh, a light worker are you really about the truth are you really about what's good for for the higher i mean because essentially that's what the illuminati was like trying to to say they were whether that was just a facade to give them a cover you know like that's what illuminati means it's like illuminated ones right so mm-hmm. you know if we're gonna put the pedal to the metal what that means when i say that is when we're gonna like put a uh, pressure on guests to be honest with us and not just like sell us their book or sell us their podcast or sell us their YouTube channel, you know, really put them in a position where they're going to have to like, I don't know, be real. Cause I like, based on a conversation I had today with, with Al, he was like, dude, there's so many of these people that call themselves conspiracy theorists. He's like, I I don't call my show a conspiracy theory podcast. He's like, we touch on conspiracies in the realms of science, history, you know, and the way he phrased it, it was brilliant. It's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. There are conspiracies within these subjects, but we're limiting ourselves when we say we're conspiracy so-and-so. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to interview conspiracy people who say they're conspiracy theorists, you know, Ivan Stang was great, but he wasn't really, you know, somebody that we could put the heat on unless we want to get more cult leaders, 
But I'm thinking, you know, we inv interview people who are conspiracy theorists and see if they're disinfo or not. I mean, I could think of a whole bunch of people talking about secret space program that are definitely disinfo. I mean, those would be piece of cakes. They probably just leave the Zoom meeting. But, you know, not to offend anybody, I think there are people who, like, write books that are, you know, questionable. You look at them and you're like, this is wacky, you know? Like, we should have them on and be like, well, tell us why you think that, you know? Yeah, it's like the whole thing with your show, right? My family comes crazy. Well, tell me why the fuck they think you're crazy, bro. Well, and that's the other thing. It's like, if, if your family does think you're crazy, you better have a good reason. Otherwise you should shut up about it, <laughs> you know? Cause <laughs> like, I think that's kind of like the, the catch 22 of societies. Like you got to get along to get along, you know, or to go along, you know, to some degree, unless you're going to totally go off the grid and say F you to everything. I mean, I, I'm not sitting here and telling people they have to obey unjust laws. You know, that's why we're talking about a lot of things we talk about. But when it comes to being a good human being and being kind to one another, you know, that's what you got to do. I kind of lost track of what I was saying. I got all teary eyed when I said be kind to one another. What was I saying? Have you ever cried on a podcast, bro? Yeah, of course. This, yeah. is my, this is my family thinks I'm crazy podcast, bro. We get we get all the whole spectrum of emotions. What have you been up to with the one-on-one -on -one podcast? What are what are people going to get from you after this episode? Because I know people are going to be captivated. People are going to go. They're going to say, how come I haven't listened to Illuminati Confirmed yet? How come I haven't subscribed to the one-on-one -on -one podcast yet? What's going on with you, Juan? I am working on the, actually, the comic book that we're working on. Alex Stein might be in it, bro. Hey, you agreed to that? Yeah, he's boys with, with Thomas. Thomas hit him up, and he's like, yeah, dude. He's already got a whole character fleshed out and everything. So can he be, like, in my crew on the, in, in the, because, like, you know, like, me and Alex, we met in person, you know. Like, it should be me and Alex in the comic book, and then, like, you yeah. and... <laughs> you do the MFTIC comic, bro. Well... Don't about you, you can... What would let people know? Like, is my character, is it going to be like me on the podcast or have you guys fantasized about what I might be like in a comic book? Like, how realistic is this comic this book? comic book is based on true events. Let's just say that. So it's going to be, you're like your likeness. I mean, it's going to be like you. It's going to be maybe perhaps even transcripts from podcast episodes we've already done. I mean, it'll who knows, you know, where this is going to go. But we are almost done with issue one. We just got a little bit more to go. And well, if you soon, bro. if you need like an intro scene to intro my character, just well, I'll send you this afterwards. So you could have this all down. You send it to Thomas. So you got to do a couple of pages if the guy charged you 100 or 150 a page or whatever. Right. You know, there was only 100 of those made, bro. Don't. Those are limited edition. Nobody else has that. I know, dude. I actually, so, and this is only six pages, right? It's like a six-page comic book. It's mint. It's beautiful. I've given a couple away. I didn't put them out in the street like I was planning on. I just put them in one or two locations. 
But yeah, now I send them to people who support the show. But probably when I have like 10 or 15 left, I, I won't do that anymore. So all the lucky few that join the Best Friend Book Club in the next few months will probably get a copy of the Geronimo's Grave Paranoid American. Or if you really want it, just, edition. yeah, if you really yeah, want it, just me. hit me up. I'll send it to you. We'll work out a deal because I do have a bunch of copies. Thomas is very kind to send them to me. All I had to do is pay him for shipping. So big shout out to Paranoid American because he's a G. And uh, and yeah, I, I, I think I have him linked in, in a couple different show notes as a sponsor for that. So, you know, sort of uh, you scratch my back, I scratch yours type thing. If you like comic books, I mean, and you're listening to this podcast, I don't know how you couldn't go to Paranoid American and check it out. I mean, it's it's pretty dope stuff. I, When I was interviewing Thomas, I looked and saw that Geronimo's Grave comic book, and I was like, Psh, I got to have this. So, I don't know. I'm, and I'm not even, I mean, I was just telling Tara about this. I used to be, I used to be like the super comic book nerd, dude. All the comic books. I used to love all the characters. Marvel. I'm talking X-Men. We're talking, you know, Gambit, Beast. Yeah. We're talking, you know, obscure characters. I didn't like Wolverine. I didn't like Cyclops. Okay. I liked the guys that were doing stuff that was like pseudo occult because I knew at that young age, I was like, hmm, they're, they're, they're tapping into something that's kind of real. I didn't, I couldn't. And then I saw that show Stan Lee's superheroes or something like that it was like a history channel show where he goes around and he finds like people that have like basically superpowers oh superpowers yeah I remember yeah that. dude and that's when it all connected and then i was like well if i'm ever gonna you know beat beat up these bullies and get a girlfriend i better learn martial arts and you know <laughs> ten, 10 years later here i am i have a girlfriend I still know martial arts. So I was I was kind of successful at that goal. Uh, and it was inspired by superheroes. So big shout out to Thomas for keeping that alive, that artistry, that medium. Yeah, Thomas is awesome, dude. He's, he's kind of shady. Though. You worked at Disney for like five years or something. Don't say that right after we just give him a great promotion. Jeez. <laughs> No, it's, it's all good though, bro. You know, it's funny you say that because he sent me a po like a bunch of cool postcards the first time I got in touch with him. And um, I gave most of them to Tripoli because that's like why he sent them to me. But a couple I hung on to and one of them is exactly that. It's like Disney. I have it right here. It's not Velcroed to the wall. Some of this stuff's Velcroed to the wall so I could pull it off and look at it, but it's not. But yeah, on the back of it, it like shows you who's Who in is. the cartoon. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen it. But yeah, a lot of yeah, cool stuff. It, he's putting a lot of cool stuff in there. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that was his intention to go and get a job there and get some insider information, you know. Yeah, he was doing the graphic design there, dude. Mm. That's why, like, he'll every time, I, every time I bring up like a different conspiracy to him, bro, he'll be like, "Nah, bro." What I like about Thomas is that he challenges my, he, like, my thing. He'll call me out, like, "Oh, where'd you get that information from?" And sometimes, like, I'll run like some conspiracy, or like prepping for like an episode or something. I'll run it past him, like, "But where, where, where did this come in? Like, how did that happen?" You know, 
what it, what what's your source on that, bro? And I love that because we don't get that enough sometimes. Like we say all these things and we sometimes I've said things that I'd never even verified before. Now I'm I'm better at it to where I'll verify something first before you know, reciting it or, or even writing it down or whatever. But a lot of the times we use a lot of language that we just throw in there just because and we have no idea what it means. And we've been, you know, using it wrong this entire time. Right. Like I, I'm not at all, I'm not about spreading false information, but sometimes we get it wrong, bro. You know, remember something wrong backwards or whatever. Yeah. I and, think, uh, you know, the yeah. best thing, the best thing we could do, I mean, I try to do this is just to be clear when I'm speculating, when I'm re relaying information that I heard, who I heard it from. Cause yeah, I don't ever want to be in the position of like, Oh, well you said this is, and I found out that it's like, well, whatever, maybe I'm not right about everything. That's not why I do this podcast. You know, if I wanted to be right about everything, I'd probably write an encyclopedia or something, you know, like, you know, take on a big task like that. But, Oh man, I don't know. I think that's the, that's kind of what Al and I were talking about today and I'm sure it'll make its way into the episode that's coming out this Friday. Actually, this will probably be a part of that episode. So people might have already heard me talk about this with Al. But he's he's kind of making similar points. And I think that's what we need more of. And maybe if we bring it to people with Illuminati confirmed, that'll be a way to do it in a fun, humorous way where it's like, yeah, we're going to be more, you know, we're going to be holding you to a higher standard even though it is a fun humorous show like you need to come prepared to meet that energy you know whether that's by clowning us back or by like hitting us with the facts telling your story being real you know whatever it is but yeah dude illuminati confirmed i'm psyched we got two episodes that are coming out in may that we already recorded i'm sure we'll record something for june soon but yeah man let them know let them know where to fucking find you other than illuminati confirmed because these fools don't know what they're missing on the one-on-one -on -one podcast yeah anywhere on social media at the one-on-one -on -one podcast any so any podcast platform at the one-on-one -on -one podcast yeah come, come find me over there dude Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate you joining me for this late night extended outro. Like I said, been kind of busy myself in the past few weeks. Got behind on the interviews, and uh, and yeah, here we are. So thank you, brother. Appreciate it, and uh, I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you, everybody, I for listening. Be sure to check out One on One on Alt Media United, and of course on Illuminati Confirmed. 